get it going. It's time to get up. Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. Absolutely a player for the ages. These guys are here to break it all down. The one thing I do wonder about is if Jake Vertanen is someone that they end up giving a fresh start to. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. They give you guys three hours in a row to talk? This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's something we want to brag about too much these days, but nevertheless, it is game day here on this Monday, February 8th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650 at Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Always enjoy the debate and discussion. Uh, lots to get to over the next three hours. Kevin Bieksa from Hockey Night in Canada will drop on by just after 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute. We'll also catch up with our Monday morning quarterback from the All Ball podcast, a receiver in the CFL as well, Natea J, coming up just after 7 o'clock. So lots to get to as uh, Tom Brady, man. Pair, I guess lesson learned for both of us. We both like the Chiefs, but don't bet against Tom Brady. You know what the great thing about the Super Bowl was? It was all about football yesterday. After what happened on Saturday, we just escaped from at least I did mentally. Didn't even think about the Canucks. We will deal with that uh, in moments on the show. We'll deal with it all day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. You and I, two weeks ago, just said as soon as the Super Bowl was set, we were in on Mahomes, both uh, on this radio station, maybe a little bit with our wallets. And I was of the mindset, James, that I couldn't lose in the sense that if I did lose a dollar or two, I would enjoy the fact that I could talk about Tom Brady having won seven. Tom Brady having left the Belichick shadow and going, I'll I'll see what I can do in Tampa Bay. And I'm going to bring some of my boys together. All those boys, by the way, in Brown. Gronkowski, Fournette, all getting into the end zone yesterday. Hey, uh, I didn't think the Super Bowl would be close. I said as much on social. I just didn't think it would go this way. I thought it'd be Brady and the Bucks. He just said, yeah, we can't stop those guys in Kansas City. Full credit to him, man. It was a beatdown, and it wasn't one guy. And I know Brady gets the MVP. Thought he was good. He wasn't great as a whole. I think the defensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay Deserves it like they did years back when they won it. Bucks 2-0 in the Super Bowl. And a dud of the game, but an incredible storyline because Brady's unbelievable. Well, that's I mean, that's the, the remarkable thing is Tom Brady just did this seven times, right? And and just untouchable in the sense that when you talk about the greatest player in NFL history, it, it's not even close. And how do you even come close to matching what he did? Right. And and I thought, you know, Tony Romo made a great point at the end of the broadcast last night where, you know, like I'm, I'm a Pat Mahomes guy, man. I am a big, big fan of what Pat Mahomes can do. And, and boy, oh, boy. And I didn't lose any of that yesterday watching him play. He tried to do everything. And it seemed like he was the oh. only one who showed up for the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday, trying to make plays that plays that weren't there and still getting throws off, that putting it into the receiver's hands that they just could not make catches for that was so uncharacteristic of the defending champions. But. You look at where Pat Mahomes is. He's got one Super Bowl to his name. 
to try to catch Tom Brady, he needs to win six more. It's one thing if he wins yesterday and has two, and Brady's got six. Para, that's a that's an uphill battle for anybody to come along and try to win seven Super Bowl titles. And how, how about Rob Gronkowski yesterday, right? A guy who was an absolute footnote during the 2020 season. And you know what? There's Gronk in the Super Bowl, balling again. Incredible. It, it, I, I think we just get immune to the numbers. Oh, he's won seven. Okay, so he's appeared in ten. It, it, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't. It, it was kind of like, you know, when, when Tiger Woods was winning every second week and go, hey, this is not normal. We're not getting into this. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks, a John Elway, a Peyton Manning, and you go, how many do they have? Talking about seven rings for this guy. And to do it with a completely different team, Bill Cowher in the pregame show was one of the few, I think, on the CBS panel that said, you know, I'm going to take the Bucks simply because it takes a long time to figure out an offense. They had no exhibition games, no preseason, no real training camp, so they've been learning every way. He goes, I think they're only getting better. And they were perfect yesterday. They were perfect on both sides of the ball. Brady seeing everything. Now, I do think the injuries to the offensive tackles hurt Kansas City. But I, I just don't think that game plan was good enough in either way. And, James, to your point, I mean, all you saw with Patrick Mahomes was a guy who was desperate going, I'm still going to fling the ball. And he did. There were some, some passes that hit face masks. You know, a Kelsey, a major drop early on in a third down play. Tyree Kill would have been a great catch in the end zone, but that hits him in the face mask. He did everything he could, but the better football team for at least one day, and that's it with the Super Bowl, for one day was with no doubt the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs close out the season with eight straight wins to roll out. Uh, incredible run. And, and, look at the, and look at the road that Brady took to get there, right? You know, to, to knock out Drew Brees, to knock out Aaron Rodgers, and to knock out Pat Mahomes, I mean, that, that, is, a, that is a defining championship win to do it with a new team you know that road to the Super Bowl was no easy feat you know but this was a Kansas City team pair that the Chiefs and I don't want to rain too much on the Bucks parade here but this was the Chiefs shooting themselves on the foot I mean the penalties that they took and I know people were oh the refs are Super Bowl MVP you know look at those plays though like the play, like they were penalties. Trust me, I had money on the Chiefs. I wanted the Chiefs to win yesterday, but they did it to themselves. They did it time and time again. And the turning point of that game is when you have a goal line stand, and the Bucks go for it on fourth down, and you get a stop like that from your D early in the game, and you're down. And then the Chiefs start to move, and exactly like you just touched on, third down, Travis Kelsey wide open, dropped. When do you see that from Travis Kelsey? Drops the ball. And then they follow that up with a shanked punt. And boom, what should have been a huge play for the Chiefs to kind of get going. They took all the momentum, and that was the turning point of the game. You get a goal line stop, and you follow it up with a critical drop from Kelsey and a botched play on special teams, and boom, it was all Tampa from there. But even before that box, sandwiched in between the, the, the Kelsey missed was a really good punt and a penalty on the punt. Yeah. And, and the Bucks saying, you know, well, let's do it again. And then you get the shank. And then I don't even believe they scored off that the touchdown. They had the field goal attempt. And the Chiefs were offside, lining up offside on that field goal attempt, going, all right, we'll take the first down. And then Brady to Gronk in the end zone. 
You're exactly right. You have to execute. If you're not going to perfect in the, be perfect in the Super Bowl, you better be that much better than your competition. They give up 95 penalty yards in the first half alone. Andy Reid said as much postgame. He goes, man, you give him a whole field, and it's Tom Brady. I mean, there's no one to blame. He took a lot of heat, and let's be very clear. The week and the days going up to Andy Reid, if you saw his postgame press conference, the first thing he said was not congratulations or anything. He said, this is the first time I've been able to talk since Thursday's accident. I want to uh, just express my sympathy and my prayers to the families involved and the two young girls. Um, and because of legal, mat legal matters, I can't say anything else. Hey, move aside. What do you hear about Andy Reid? Great family man. And then to have his son, who's a coach, oh get into an accident. And whether or not charges come, drunk driving was involved, we don't know yet. He can't say anything, but certainly those are the reports. Hmm. How heavy is his mind? How much is he thinking about football? And he just said afterwards, listen, we lost. We weren't prepared enough, and that is on me. So you wonder about the emotions and the focus of Andy Reid in that. But you are so right, Seaball. You make mistakes like they did, the penalties, you were beaten. Uh, that's where you're not going to beat Tom Brady. He's got to be bad. He wasn't great, only threw for 21 yards. But he was smart, and they weren't very good. No, no. Kansas City just incredibly uncharacteristic for a team that had been there. All that playoff experience, all that championship pedigree, and uh, you know what? <laughs> the Bucks, who and man, you think about over the course of the season, kind of chuckling. Oh, Brady looks tired. Like he looks done. Boy, this team's hapless. They were seven and five at one point. At the end of November, two months ago, they're seven and five on the year, and they roll out with an eight straight. Win, game winning streak uh, to to close that out and and you're right I mean in terms of what the Chiefs had to deal with off the field Andy Reid and Andy Reid has dealt with grief in his life and over the course of his coaching career as a public profile he lost a son going back a few years ago as well and here's one of his other sons you know involved in something like this tragic off the field like, you know first and foremost Andy's got to deal with the health of his son but knowing that. This guy's probably going to jail too, right? And to do that, mm -hmm. to be that reckless, that brazen, you know, Super Bowl week, how do you put yourself in that position, Bear? Yeah, on, on Thursday when the news came down, I just thought, well, how are they getting through this? Now, it was a strange Super Bowl week in the sense that Kansas City didn't come till late. There was no Super Bowl activities going on, and he wondered who would be better for that. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it, they weren't at their best, but credit – Bruce Arian and his staff, and hey, for the celebration of diversity and everything the NFL is about, whether it's hypocritical or not, when you go, hmm, it's all about diversity and, and Colin Kaepernick's nowhere to be found. Andy Reid has an all-African-American staff. Andy Reid has two females on his coaching staff. He is a guy that just says, listen, I take the best person for the job. I could care less about gender. I could care less about skin color. It's all about teaching. It's all about being a team. So he's kind of quietly done that in Tampa Bay. All the players have bought into everything. So full credit for him to say, hey, it, it's just about the game of football. It's not, oh, you got a female coach. No, I just want to, teaching is teaching. And boy, I think he left Lefkowitz to go, all right, you and Tom will figure it out. They did. Bowls with the defense, with all the young talent they have. And it's a question of how long you can keep on going. Um, because, you know, eventually you get stars who want to be paid. I get a feeling in Tampa Bay there was no hesitation from Gronk, no hesitation from Bruce Arians, no hesitation from Tom Brady. Oh, no, we'll be back. So I was like, we haven't even started anything here. We'll be back. And you look at how good that football team is. They're solid in every spot. 
yeah, they might they might be back again. It's unfathomable he could be going after eight. Well, we're asking you this morning on our uh, Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question, uh, who is the GOAT of GOATs? Is it Tom Brady with his seven Super Bowl wins? Is it Wayne Gretzky? Four Stanley Cups and rewrote hockey's record book. Is it Michael Jordan? 6-0 and in NBA title games? Or is it somebody else? Right now, of those choices, Tom Brady leading right now at 44%. Gretzky, number two, at 29%, and then Michael Jordan at 16%. I'd probably lean towards Michael Jordan. And what I like about Jordan, 6-0 and when it matters, right? And always the best in the championship. You know, he went through everybody. I mean, Brady with seven titles, uh, you know, and to do it in a, with another team is, is pretty remarkable too, right? To kind of reinvent himself this year, it's incredible. But I'd probably lean towards... MJ on this one with the perfect record in title appearances. And I'm a Gretzky guy saying that. Yeah, I Brady for me solidified it. And not just because he did this one in a different uniform, but you look at the time. And when we get into uh, no BS, just PS, I watched a little bit of the last drive of his first Super Bowl. And there's John Madden going, take an E, take an E, kid. You know, if I'm the Pats, I'm going to take this thing to overtime against St. Louis. Don't start driving the football. You're in your own end. And he drives him downfield. Adam Vinatieri finishes it, gets his first. That's 2002. So to do that and to have the changeover when he won with the Pats, like the one thing I'll say from Jordan, yeah, he had his baseball break and came back and won again. But for the most part, it was pretty much the same studs with him beating the competition that didn't change that differently. For me, Brady won some Super Bowls with some football teams and receivers where you go, wow. Like, who is it? Is it the quarterback or the coach? Because they're not exactly loaded with superstars. And to do it seven times, uh, to me, he solidified. Uh, you know, he was always the goat in football. But to me, as you said, I don't know anybody in a team sport to win like him and perform like him. Not that he was great, but just never makes the mistakes when he can't, when everything is on the line. I, I've got Brady as the goat. Nevertheless, uh, Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion again. Death, taxes, and Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion. And looks like he's got no signs of slowing down. Okay, we'll get into that much more over the course of the morning. Obviously, uh, with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl, we'll talk to our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J, coming up in an hour from now. But uh, Canucks are back on the ice, closing out uh, what has been a wrecking ball of a six-game road trip as uh, they'll try to save face and end a four-game slide that they have just been wiped out uh, on this four-game slide. One more game against the Leafs. Uh, maybe if you're a Canucks fan, you don't certainly wish in injuries on anyone, but Wayne Simmons sounds like he could be out for the next six weeks, according to our Sportsnet Hockey Insider, Wayne uh, Elliott Friedman. So maybe there's a small break that the Canucks might be catching here. But what a mess. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line already warning us here out of the gate, Perry. Uh, Sabalski, I think after all the fans have endured these past two games and with one left, it would be in your best interest to not say or do anything stupid this morning. No Canucks songs either. Try to use this time at a mature level for once. Don't forget to sign your name on this. Man, the, the frustration, the anger on Saturday night uh, reaching a near fever pitch and the disconnect for this team, man, Pear, we've kind of wondered about what's going on with this team, and it kind of erupted in full display on Saturday night on the ice, and for watching it to play out as publicly as it did with Braden Holtby and JT Miller. 
two key leaders on this team and the disconnect where Holpe throws a pass along the wall and Miller just basically checks out on the play. Austin Matthews picks up the puck down the ice and tucks it five hole on Holpe. Holpe takes the mask off, the death stare, and then not long after that, there's a whistle after Holpe makes a save. Miller mutters something to which Holpe takes issue to, and the two of them going back and forth. Here was Braden Holpe on Saturday night after the game uh, on what went down and kind of tried to be diplomatic, but listen to Holpe here on this. Yeah, I mean, that was set on the ice to stay on the ice. Um, now it's play. I haven't uh, really seen it yet, but it's one that I've made a lot before. So um, I think it's not just that play. I think it's uh, got a lot of things to just try and get on the same page. And uh, that doesn't start anywhere else except for individually. And I think that is on me to make sure that uh, we get on the same page and, and things like that. We need to be better. So there's Braden Holpe, and what a mess. Like, this is a legit dumpster fire that the Canucks are serving up right now. Like, it's not that they're even in games, Pair. This is a team that's getting absolutely worked. Show me you care. Like, show me you care. Honestly, I think that was Braden Holpe, and and he'll own it. you got to make some saves, too. But you're watching from back there. Why are so many goalies in the position of color analysts in the game? They see all of it unfold, and he sees all these mistakes, and he sees mentally JT Miller checking out with Austin Matthews there as the pucks comes off. Like, it's so many you care. We saw Jacob Markstrom game all of last year. When it was bad, he'd rip into himself, rip into his teammates, and just say, this isn't good enough. Hope he did it on the ice. It may be the strange environment because with no fans, we watch everything. And I'm fine with that. But I'm And BX has said it, and Kevin will join us at 8 o'clock. He's like, going, okay, who are you? Because, man, when you use the term jokingly when talking about, well, it's kind of ice hockey, it's shinny hockey, Mitch Marner would sign up forever to play against the Vancouver Canucks because they don't hit anybody. They don't seem to care, and they checked out mentally on Saturday night. Yes, you weren't coming back anymore. It's 4 nothing. it's 5 nothing. And, boy, normally I would think a hockey team's going, man, we play these guys on Monday. Be careful, boys. Keep your head up. They're not going to be happy with their performance. No, don't worry about it. Apparently we're okay. We're okay with how bad we are. The Vancouver Canucks were awful. I don't see anything coming from them today as far as an effort and hmm, we really care. But, James, we said it last week when they were in this funk. I will look at what happens after a few days off and they get Calgary. Because where are you? They're not good as Toronto. They're not as good as Montreal. I'm still not convinced they may not be the other two teams, a third and fourth spot in this North Division because Edmonton and Calgary, it's tough to figure out what they are. But where's your compete level, man? That That's just not acceptable. And I know all they talked about, hey, it was really good to practice yesterday. Man, if, if that's what cures them just to practice, then I, I think mentally they're weak if they can't figure it out on the ice. They're giving up. <laughs> like just They're hemorrhaging goals. Like They're giving up almost six goals a game uh, on this four-game slide right now. It is It is appalling, and the numbers for this team – you know, they have the second worst goals against average right now per game, only behind the Ottawa Senators. They're giving up almost 36 shots every game, which is the worst in the National Hockey League. It's something you, you cannot roll with status quo that much longer. And, Pear, we, we spoke about this at length last week, that this Calgary series that looms, I feel like this is the defining moment. Look, 
this, this six-game road trip and the Calgary series, this was going to give us a sense of who the Vancouver Canucks are. And I would say through the first five games of this experience and this run, it's been an indictment that this is a bad hockey team, right? It's not like they're picking up loser points. It's not like they're you know, picking up a point in the shootout, not like they're falling in overtime. This is a team that's getting wiped out off the mat every day over the last seven days, whether it was Montreal doing it or now with Toronto. I mean, like this looks like an American Hockey League team against you know, a legit contender here these last two games pair. Like, it's not even close. It's men against boys. Yeah, I, I was texting on Saturday during the game with someone, and I used the term Utica. Because you're right. It looked like, yeah, you guys get you get promoted last year from Div 2 to Div 1 because you don't look like. <laughs> I think Balak has. Here's what Travis Green had to say yesterday. They practice. He talked and understands what fans feel and what players feel as far as frustration. We don't, yeah, we don't have that. Uh, we pair. don't have that? Uh, okay. No, we don't have that. But, you know, in terms of trying to go out with a clean slate, like, you know what? But, but the gist of what Travis is saying is it's easy to play against them right now, right? Like the Canucks are making it easy, um, for, you know, for their opponents. And everything they're doing is hard. You know, Kevin BX is going to join us in about, what, an, a little over an hour and a half from now. Listen to what Kevin Bieksa had to say. Greg, do we have this from, from Juice on, on Saturday night? Listen to his post-game comments on Hockey Night in Canada. And boy, tell me this isn't an indictment. Juice tries to stress the positives, but he also had the hard truth about the Vancouver Canucks. Did you know how when you, when you were younger, your parents are like, you have to be a gracious loser? Well, that doesn't apply to hockey. And there was just way too many gracious losers tonight. And, and the Canucks are obviously struggling right now. And they're, they're having issues with their systems. And they're not getting the best out of a lot of people. But... Where were the guys that were super competitive tonight that didn't like losing? Where were the guys running around at the end? Where were the guys slashing sticks? Where were the guys going to the front of the net and creating scrums? That's, for me, the more alarming thing. It's not the losing and the back-to-back losing. It's the way they're losing. It's just fun. It's fun to play against Vancouver right now. And that's the the, the worst thing you can say about a team is that they're fun to play against. And, I mean, there's just not enough grit. Like, flip the script. What do you think Wayne Simmons would be doing if Toronto was in that position? Jake Muzzin, running around, being competitive, being a poor loser. Gracious losers right now. That's what they are. Yeah, well, I, I don't think there's any team worried about playing the, the Vancouver Canucks because the effort's not there. I don't know if you had time, but Saturday I watched a fair bit of the Ottawa Senators against the Montreal Canadiens. The interesting part was you go, okay, how much has changed in two weeks? Because the Ottawa Senators were the better hockey team. Those guys were flying around. They were in on the Habs defense so quick. They just didn't have the ability to finish plays. But they were the better hockey team. And I'm going, wow, two weeks ago, I never, you, know, you would think 11 nothing. The Habs are going to have the better of them. But they did not quit. And, you know, gracious loser. Nate Burleson said, hey, the last thing I want to talk about football team is use the word soft. And I won't with Kansas City. But I'll say this. The more physically demanding football team won the Super Bowl yesterday. They intimidated. And they did. There's no intimidation from the Vancouver Canucks. And I'm not going to be Brian Burke and go, you need some big guys. And, but Anton Roussel, you're a pest. Okay, take a cheap shot penalty or something and, and just just be on fire. Braden Holpe was on fire against his own guys. He's not going to be able to drop his gloves. But, yeah, where was that? Where was – we're disgusted in how we're playing. And you know what? I, I, I put it out on social media Saturday. This team as a whole are all playing the same. Not a lot of desire. But there's only one player, James, that gets to wear the C on his jersey. 
figure it out where you are. We saw it through Jerome again. Ryan Getzlaff got into a scrap when his team was down 3 nothing earlier this week. Go, man, this isn't good enough. You got to do something to say this is unacceptable. And as Kevin BX has said, it just seemed like they accepted it on Saturday night. Oh, boy, we're just losing again. Darn it. And we've got to play them on Monday, and we're going to lose there. Man, mentally, they're weak right now. A hundred percent, and you want to see more for their leaders. I mean, this is probably one of the hardest things that the captain, Bo Horvat, will ever experience as a young leader. But, man, you got to be a part of the solution. And I don't see anybody being that right now with this team. We'll continue this conversation coming up uh, with Seaball says in a moment. And what exactly is wrong with this Vancouver Canucks team? To me, I think it's real simple. And we'll get into it next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It is game day, round three. Leafs and Canucks, who's fired up? It's a four o'clock puck drop this afternoon. Woohoo! And it's cold as hell this week, right here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 630 here on this Monday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski kicking it with you and the Canucks and Leafs back at it. Later on this afternoon, 2 o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch with the call coming your way at 4. What's wrong with the Canucks? How many times have we asked this over the last couple of weeks? We can point to the underwhelming performances from Vancouver star players, the poor defensive play, mediocre goaltending, the loss of key vets. But the more I think about it, it's real simple. This is not a team. They don't play like it. They don't act like it. They don't sound like it. The exclamation mark of this conclusion on display Saturday night when cameras caught a verbal exchange between a fed-up Braden Holpe and bizarro JT Miller. Miller looks like the complete opposite version of himself from a year ago. Listen to what Holpe said on Saturday. Find a way to get on the same page. We're a disconnected group right now. Disconnected. Nailed it. The personnel isn't clicking this year. But it's not that they're losing close games. They're being wiped out nightly. Over the last four games, the Canucks have been outscored 23-9. to That's allowing almost six against nightly. This isn't the 1980s either. You can point to talent, but I think you can also take a hard look at leadership. Where are the vets in all this to help weather the storm? Captain Bo Horvat is only in his second year as the leader of this team. It is a huge ask for a young captain to lead this team through a turbulent time. And while he isn't getting any help, you know what? Bo isn't doing any favors himself either. Statistically, looks fine. But he doesn't seem to have that same fire on the ice that we've been accustomed to in this market. And you know what? The captain's admitted it. I haven't been good enough. Um, obviously, the team hasn't been good enough. And, and it's been showing. And... You know, we're going to go through stretches like this and every team goes through it. But, um, you know, for myself personally, I think, um, you know, I got to start pulling my weight. How about Brock Besser on Saturday night raising his stick to celebrate a goal with two minutes to go in a 5 nothing game? Act like you've been there. Come on, man. What is he doing? 
Maybe it's fair to criticize Travis Green and the coaching staff for trying to play a way that doesn't fit with this personnel. And you know what? For some that claim that it worked last year, this is a different roster. You know, five players from last season are gone from the team. That's a quarter of the roster. And while we're at it, why is Brock Besser playing a bumper role in the power play when his shot seems to be back? I mean, I'm just saying, look, fact is reinforcements aren't coming. And if they are via trade, it'll likely take a few weeks. A new GM isn't fixing things in the right now, and I honestly doubt that a new voice behind the bench is changing this club either. This is on the players. They need to look within and find a way to bring themselves together as a team before it is way too late. The given-ish meter is at zero right now. These players need to change that. And it's one thing to talk about it, but actions are louder than words. And right now, the message from this Canucks group says they are not a united team. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. Interesting comment over the weekend, uh, I believe before going into Saturdays, how do you fix things? And my thought was this, Lewis Petterson answered how he likes to work on his own, right? He's a perfectionist. He's gonna, so he's going to take his puck and work on his own. That's great. But guess what? You have to learn to be a leader. The best players on a team have to, in practice and in situations, make others better. We're discussing Tom Brady, who makes everyone better, who figures out Antonio Brown and says, come play with us and makes him a better teammate for people somehow. Pedersen working on his own, I don't know. what. And guess what? We can't see them this year, so it's different. But I don't know. I would think of Hoaglander, who, by the way, has been the best forward in the last two weeks in the doldrums because he's the only um, one you can see. Oh, he's working, trying to get the puck. He'll bounce back up. Babe. Get it again. He wants to win. But, man, if your superstars are not saying, hey, we are all in this together, not just worried about their own stats, um, then you're better off. But right now, when one struggles and a young guy struggles and doesn't worry about anybody else, just me, that can be difficult. You've got Stanley Cup champs and Tanner Pearson and Jay Beagle. They should not be accepting a, t- a 10 minutes in the third period. You're out of it, so you just kind of act like you're out of it and don't show the compete that's needed. I don't know how it's fixed. All the players yesterday, James, spoke to, we need to practice. Travis Green said, we are not a hockey team that can win unless we are practicing. Does that make them better? I don't know. I just think the belief in the fan base, and right now the belief in the room is the same, that they're not good enough to win a hockey game tonight. Uh, Island Lover texting in at 650-650. Getting used to losing is a downward spiral to the bottom. Oh, he's exactly. He saw that in Edmonton. Yeah. Right? What was the problem? All these young kids, no one's there showing them how to win. Uh, you know, that that's part of the problem. Do you keep a young guy up when the team's in a losing atmosphere? Well, maybe you let him go play somewhere else, but you're right. This is a young team. You get used to losing. You're looking at other people to solve the problem, not yourself. You're very right, I don't know. Uh, another text in here at 650650. Uh, I love Travis, but if the players are not buying in and you're not trading players, then the next move is to let Travis go. Gallant is available. He has done wonders and maybe get Schmidt going, uh, who's put up big numbers under him. Francesco has to be on board because if he's losing money, what will happen when fans don't buy tickets? You know, I I, I feel like the easy move 
is ultimately the coach here, pair because and I and I don't like that move just yet. But the easy move is probably there, right? If Jim Benning's trying to save base, trying to protect his own A double crooked letter, you know, if if you're going to try to make a move, you're looking at a two week quarantine. Although Chris Johnston reported on Saturday night that Bertanen, you know, could be on the move. We've been talking about this for how many years here in this market, and does it feel like there's probably an end game here? I mean, two and a half million dollars sitting in the press box, the healthy scratch again on Saturday night. But I mean, what are you going to get back for Jake Bertanen? Yeah, is right? somebody coming in and helping this hockey team? You think uh, for Jake? You know, right Vince, now? Vince, like Vince Dunn's not coming here for Jake Bertanen, right? No, you know, you know, you're you're giving up something else beyond just Jake Bertanen if you're trying to bring in somebody like that. So ultimately, what's out there? I I don't think there's something that's a quick fix, and and that's where it's almost okay. You know, is is Travis the guy who, if this continues, if the bleeding continues through the Calgary series, the low hanging fruit answer probably seems like it's the coach, right? Because you can't tweak too much of the personnel. You've tried to move guys in and out of the lineup. It's not clicking there, and at what point? It's almost like you're going through the five stages of grief, right? You know, you get through the anger, you're angry, and then there's almost like that acceptance, like, okay, like this is just a bad hockey team. And I don't know if people are there just yet, but it sure feels like it's going that way with this beleaguered look at this team that's just not given an ish. Well, and again, as you try and find positives, I think they've been beaten up in the last two weeks by arguably – two of the best teams in the NHL. It's tough to tell because they're sitting in the North Division and we don't know what they would look like against the St. Louis, against a a Tampa Bay. But you have that. Now, I'd also say, yes, it's easier to fire the coach than it is a whole bunch of players. We hear that all the time. But when a coach can't teach a team because he can't practice with the team, how much does Travis go, yeah, I haven't been able to influence them? Influence them in a video session? Some guys just can't learn by watching stuff on video. They need to have a drill and do it again and do it again and do it again. And Green said that yesterday. You know, it allowed us to work out a lot of things. We make the hard, we make the simple plays look hard right now. So what do you do? Repetition, repetition, repetition. But if you don't get that, it's just guys stay away from the rink. We're playing yet again. They played more hockey than anybody's in the NHL. I think you then have to be hesitant to go on, all right, are we burying the coach with this? Travis Green's coaching in the NHL next year. If it's not with Vancouver, it's somewhere else because he has that kind of respect in the league. So I don't think I'd be pushing him out just yet. Uh, I just think you have to let this team settle, let them get home, let them get a part of the schedule that looks comfortable and see if, no, they're not better than Montreal or Toronto, but if they can figure things out and be in a battle for the playoff spot. You know, the other thing is, is we've talked a lot about capital and what's available for this franchise too right now, right? In terms of where the dollar's there, where they not during the offseason in terms of who you could spend it on, what you could spend it on, going after Tyler DeFoley to, to, ha- to take on money. Do you want to bring in another body? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Jim Benning's position, right? Are you going to bring in another high-level executive salary to replace Jim Benning right now and pay for two GMs? I don't know if an organization wants to do that with <laughs> with, with an empty barn right now, right? And that could be the same thing for Travis Green. You're hiring, you know. If you're if you're if you're punting on Travis Green right now, who are you bringing in? I'm gonna like you're not making Nolan Baumgartner the interim head coach, right? You're not you're not promoting Newell Brown as the interim head coach here with this team. You're probably going out. You're bringing in a veteran voice, 
Like, it's not Trent Cole. You're you're probably looking. Okay, let's let's say for for argument's sake, just because some people have suggested it, and I hear it a lot, Gerard Gallant, right? So Gerard Gallant, you think he's coming here for the league minimum? Like you know, you think he's coming here on a DJ Smith salary? Absolutely not, right? He's going to come in with seven figures. And uh, do the Canucks want to pay? Another seven-figure salary for another coach if you're paying Travis out for the end of the season? Probably not. You know, I mean, Travis is off the books at the end of the season. And if the team has taken a giant step back, I do wonder, Pear, if they'll just let this ride out. Figure out what you got with this team and, okay, let the dust settle on the season and go, okay, you know, this team needs to go in a different direction here. I th- Patience is something we talked about last week. It's incredibly hard in a in a sport to be patient. It's incredibly hard for fans, as we see the Dumber, uh, Lumber text line is hopping again today as everyone's going, okay, the Super Bowl's over, focus on the Canucks again, and they've been bad. But, you know, I used the term asterisk last year when we were talking about the Stanley Cup final. Boy, you know, and, and I was wrong. Full credit for Tampa Bay winning it. But is it not more of an asterisk this year to go, you know, how good are the Vancouver Canucks? Well, the Vancouver Canucks welcome a game against Los Angeles, maybe a game against San Jose, and not the fact that they've got another one coming against Toronto, and then it's Calgary for four in a row. Yeah, it's tough to judge where your team is when you are up against, as someone text in, you know, the North Division is kind of the Harlem Globetrotters. you got some guys who can play uh, and play offensive hockey, maybe not the way that's going to get them a Stanley Cup. So are you patient enough to go, the team hasn't been good, the coach hasn't been good, GM hasn't been able to make any moves because of quarantine and because salary cap's not going up. If we get into the playoffs, I'm not getting any revenue as an owner because fans likely won't be there. Do I have the patience to look at this 2021 season and just give it the old Todd Bertuzzi? It is what it is. We will have some guys off the books. Let's fix this team. Um, This is the anomaly. I don't know. It takes patience, but I could understand if you did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. It's 6.43 here on this Monday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. 6.50, the Dunbar Lumber text line. If you want to jump in with your thoughts as well, we'll continue the conversation coming up at 7 o'clock. Plus, our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J, also set to be joining us. And, Perry, there was one angry girlfriend yesterday watching that Super Bowl. We had an angry girlfriend, and the best play of the Super Bowl is something you likely didn't hear. That's not BS, it's PS, and it's right ahead here on a game damn sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. So what was the signature moment of yesterday's Super Bowl game? Well, Leonard Fournette had a nice run. Uh, Brady to Gronk. That was good, but they were just plays on a giant stage. No, the big play of the game is something you don't see on TV because you don't want to give credit and an audience to a streaker. But if you're in radio, let's theater of the mind. You have to paint the picture and the call by Kevin Harlan when the streaker took to the field was fantastic. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. 
<laughs> Do you think Kevin Harlan, who was fantastic, was kind of thinking, I know this is the Super Bowl and we hyped it up and the game hasn't been that good. I've juiced up and he turned it into a fantastic fall. I was talking to my buddy Doug the other day. and We were kind of having a discussion like, who's your who's your you know favorite sportscasters or play-by-play guys of all time? And I, I, he's certainly getting the credit now. But Kevin Harlan, man, for years, like I'm a big Chicago Bears fan, and he used to call so many games of the NFC Central back in the day in the 90s, in the early days of Fox. And I just always loved the call. But the fact that now he just has a little more fun in addition to, like he's got the chops to call a great game, but now he has a little fun with it as well. Kevin Harlan, to me, is as good as it gets right now when it comes to a play-by-play guy, and that was just absolute gold. Again, like, he's done this a few times. Love it. Love yeah. it, love it, love it. He's done it with the cat. You're right, man. He has some real fun. His radio call may be better than his TV call. P.S., did you like the weekend's halftime show? Uh, I'll, I'll give him a thumbs up simply because he is Canadian. But what you didn't know is The weekend and Tyler Toffoli went to the same high school in Scarborough at the same time. I'm guessing they may not have known each other. I don't know. But two Vancouver rights, if you didn't like the halftime show and you're not begging what Toffoli's done to your hockey team, they came from the high, same high school, not BS, just BS, everybody. You just wanted to throw, you just wanted to throw Tyler Toffoli's name out there again, just to, to stir the pot, eh? Uh, we, we, uh, can't talk, we can't talk about him for another month or two. So uh, well, somebody, somebody referred us to a couple of crazy ex-stalker-like girlfriends uh, the amount of times that we've referred to Tyler Toffoli over the last week in this market. But unlike, the weekend was good, man. I mean, I would have been just fine with a 10-minute version of Blinding Lights. But yeah. it's crazy how in such a short sample size of that guy's career, how many hits he's pumped out. And he, and he skipped a bunch of them, too, for that matter, last night. I don't know why he apparently injected $7 million into that, but he's going on a world tour, the big stage, everyone at home. Uh, yeah, he did a nice job. Hey, P.S., the city of Boston probably not thrilled with Brady and he gets the ring. Boston hockey community, not happy that they lost a coach over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming back number 12, Jerome Aguilar! Never a bad thing when you make your city and or your province a better place by adding a positive person, and that's exactly what has happened. Jerome Aguilar announcing over the weekend that him and his family will be moving to Kelowna, where he has taken a job with a hockey academy. Of course, the Aginlas summer in Kelowna have for a long time, and now they're leaving the Boston area, and Jerome will coach hockey where his son will play. So coming back to Canada, that's a good thing. Ingy, what are the all-time best? You know, it is Black History Month, and we here at Sportsnet are doing a lot to celebrate and recognize that, as I think a lot of communities and organizations are. But, man, like what Jerome Aginla, you know, imagine, like, Jerome could call his shot, right? As a, as a as a general manager, as an executive, as an analyst. I mean, Jerome is incredible. A smile that lights up a room, a personality that lights up a room, and the chops, the skills. He's got a guy who's got the respect of every player. Like who didn't love the way that Jerome McGinley played? Guy who can get you 600 goals in a career and beat the crap out of you. 
You know what I mean? Like a Cam Neely, a Brandon Shanahan, a Gordie Howe. Like that's that's Iggy, man. Yeah, you could have that NHL leadership conference, and if he's the main speaker, you go, yeah, no, that, that works out. And, and the face of, like, I... hockey is for everybody, right? Like, Iggy is, is perfect for that because he reflects diversity. But he's a hell of a hockey player, too. Yeah, no, good on the city of Kamloops, good on our province at Jerome McGinley, who kind of just went away quietly. You know, we were trying to go, like, where's Jerome? What's he doing? But he's coming back, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he'll love Canada, get great attention everywhere. It's a good thing. And finally, you know what? It's just Don Brady is Mr. Cool. Yesterday, post-conference, stops it before people are asking a question, just fires out this. Robbie G. Congrats, baby. I'll see you later. Gronk walks by. I haven't looked yet if they posted the Instagram. Robbie G. Uh, Brady stopping the Zoom to get that. He's the first quarterback to beat three Super Bowl MVPs on the way to the trophy. Mahomes, Rodgers, and Breeze. Classy winner. Not so much Mahomes' fiance yesterday, James. She calls ESPN for being trash, for putting out a picture of Mahomes to be in despair. <laughs> Brittany Murphy's mom calls out Giselle going, yeah, congrats on the Super Bowl, but you needed the refs to win it. Now, I think that was just a little bit of a cheap shot. But still, man, about the players, they were classy, winning graciously. Yeah, wives on Mahomes in the Kansas City side, not so much. Comedian Mark Norman had the tweet of the weekend when he took to Twitter and said, Tom Brady is the COVID of football. He's thriving in Florida. He's put up huge numbers, and some people still don't believe in him. Yeah, I saw another one saying in the year of COVID where we're supposed to stay at home, it's kind of right the NFL gets a home game and gives it to the Super Bowl champs playing there. Uh, Yeah, you're right. A lot of great things, not a great game, but full credit to the winners and the way they handled it. How about Champa Bay, though, man? Stanley Cup, Super Bowl, and a runner-up of the World Series in the last, what, five months? And they can't go out and say, well, shouldn't say they can't go out oh, to no. Florida. People were out celebrating. <laughs> yeah. Normally, you shouldn't go out and celebrate it. But, yeah, exactly. Champa Bay is exactly what they are. All right. It is uh, four minutes to seven o'clock. Uh, we'll dive into uh, it is game day for the Canucks and the Leafs. Uh, round number three with that. We'll also catch up with our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay from the All Ball Podcast, as Tom Brady has another Super Bowl. We'll get into all of it next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. Absolutely a player for the ages. These guys are here to break it all down. The one thing I do wonder about is if Jake Nurtanen is someone that they end up giving a fresh start to. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. They give you guys three hours in a row to talk. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Seven o'clock. What's happening? James Zabolski, Perry Solkowski, hour number two. Uh, we'll catch up with Juice, Kevin BX, a former Vancouver Canuck and from Hockey Night in Canada, in an hour from now for his uh, weekly visit with us here on Sportsnet 650. It is game day. Canucks and the Leafs round number three as the Canucks will try to stop the bleeding, stop the goals, 
as uh, they will try to end a four-game slide. And, uh, man, just just looking overwhelmed in these last two games against the Leafs here, Pear. Yeah, I mean, you know, the booty was yesterday. You didn't think about the Vancouver Canucks because on Saturday night, if you watched them, you just said, man, like, here's the worst thing for an athlete and for anyone is to have them question whether you care. And honestly, it looked like in the third period, okay, you don't care anymore. And I understand it when the game is gone, it's 4 nothing, it's 5 nothing. you don't care. Kevin Bieksa talked about it post-game, we'll get him on at 8 o'clock. Like, okay, who are you? Like, you shouldn't be accepting of losing. And especially if you got this team coming again. So show them that you, you really don't like it. The Ottawa Senators did that. They were running around here against the Canucks going, okay, like, we can't do this. We've got to do something. Maybe that's not the team they have. Maybe the Canucks just feel we will beat you with skill, and that's how we'll settle all scores. Right now, they're not beating them with skill. They're beating themselves. They're second best on every ice surface they play. Only hinge of hope I have, James, is guess what? Toronto and Montreal are the best teams in the North Division. And no one said you're going to be the top two teams, but are you anywhere near that third or fourth spot? Well, and and I guess we'll find out probably later this week on Thursday when they open up a four-game series against the Calgary Flames. But uh, right now, they look completely overwhelmed in the matchups from what we've seen in five games against the Montreal Canadiens and thus far through two games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pre-game show starts at 2. Puck drop at 4 o'clock. We'll get more into the Canucks here in just a few minutes. But, uh, hey, Super Bowl is in the books, and guess what? There are a few guarantees in life. Death taxes and tom brady winning super bowls he won his seventh last night first as a member of the tampa bay buccaneers and man the way he kind of performed on the big stage again doesn't look like uh he's going away anytime soon uh anytime soon for that matter let's bring our monday morning quarterback uh, from the all ball podcast cfl receiver natea j natea what happened to mahomes and the company man what happened out there Whew, I'm still reeling. I'm still trying to figure it out. But what it looked like is his O-line was overwhelmed and he was back there trying to scramble. They said he, some like he scrambled 400 yards before he released the ball, uh, all, all his dropbacks. Right. So but he was back there fighting for his life. It seemed like he, the O-line was overmatched, kind of looking like the Canucks recently. But it was a tough matchup. And when you don't win up front, it's hard for you to win a game. And you know the Bucks, they, they're known for their defense. They're known for the defensive line. And when you got three starters out of the game on your O-line, it's going to be tough. We, I think we over, we, we didn't put enough attention on that aspect of the game. We thought the Chiefs were just going to roll. And um, the credit to the Bucks, they, they had they had a roll and they were locked in. There's not a lot of time spent talking about the glamour of offensive tackle play. Yes, you're, you're, you're right. I understand it. Now, that being said, Travis Kelsey on a big third down drops. Tyree Kill, albeit would have been difficult in the end zone, drops. You line up offside for a field goal. Like, man, mentally, it just seemed they were not sharp yesterday. Did you just see that they were lacking focus? I had the same uh, realization yesterday. I was like, the Chiefs look like the team playing the Super Bowl for the first time, not the team, you know, in the in the Super Bowl for the second time in two years, right? They look like the, the the team that was, you know, had a bunch of 
new players in the game, making all these mistakes that you would generally not see from a team that had just been in the game, right? So the lack of focus was there. They didn't get help from the refs. The refs was a big storyline, but it's still those same mistakes, drop passes, lining up offside, like you said, unnecessary roughness, penalties to extend drives. It just it just kept piling on and they couldn't recover. But there was a lot of a lot of errors made from them that you wouldn't expect from a team in the Super Bowl for the second time in a row. Yeah, well, that's and that's what's so uncharacteristic—a team that has that sort of championship experience and pedigree, and just the, just the foolish penalties. And and I know, look, man, I like there was so there was a text chain going in with some buddies there last night, and I had to say about six of the seven guys on it had money on Kansas City, so they're oh, the refs are the MVPs of this game. They're, but man, like this was like KC did it to themselves. Yeah, I agree. I agree because no matter what the refs did. They didn't prevent you from scoring uh, more than nine points, right? They didn't drop those passes, right? You, right? They didn't. They, they didn't. They weren't on the own line, not blocking, you know, and Doctor Sue and and JPP and Shaq Barrett, right? It, no matter what the refs did, the the, the Bucks dominated that game, and it, it probably would have led if the refs weren't involved. They probably would have been led to a closer game, maybe a one score game, but the Bucks the, literally dominated that line, and they had a perfect game plan to stop. Uh, Tariq Hill and from from ruining that game and you know credit to them they deserve it the refs weren't weren't the problem it was it was the Chiefs underperforming. Nobody was the offensive star for Kansas City. Fournette was really good. As a player, do you just feel it when the game plan is perfect? It's like a boxer jab jab and then they're waiting for the jab. I'll hit him with the right hand. All right, let's do it again. It just seemed like everything they were dialing up was working. Do you feel that on the sidelines? Yeah, you do, especially – and it starts before even the game, right? You start in, in film and, and, and when they're installing the plays, when their coaches are explaining, hey, this is what happened last time. This is what they think is going to happen again, and this is how we're going to counter. So you have a good understanding that your game plan is going to work just off of prior, prior experience. I mean, you know, for Tom Brady in 2001 against the Rams, right, they had played the Rams in the regular season – they had lost the Rams. It was almost a blowout. They came back, made adjustments, and in the Super Bowl, they were able to beat them, right? So that, that was one of the big upsets. And I saw this, a lot of the same parallels here where the Chiefs had almost blown out the, the uh, Tampa Bay earlier in the season, right? They were able to learn from that, make adjustments, and, and you could see the game plan unfolding perfectly the way they had drawn it up. And you could feel that as a player. And it starts in practice. It starts in the meeting rooms. It starts with the the – talks with the coaches where they tell you why this is going to work and, and, and things of that nature. So yeah, definitely. You can feel that as a player, you know, Natalia J with us here on uh, Sportsnet 650. Both pair and I were talking about this in the outset of the show this morning about how to the critical point of the game, you know, you get that stop on fourth and goal from the chiefs D huge stop. And then on that drive, they're starting to look like they're moving the ball. And on that third down, Kelsey drops it, right? You just don't see that from Travis Kelsey, wide open on a third down, dropping the ball, and then, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot with a penalty, shanked punt, then negates what was initially a good punt, and then it's all Tampa from there. But can can you feel that in that moment, I guess kind of further to what Perry was just talking about, do, do you almost sense that sort of, oh, boy, this 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 could be ball game here? Yeah, that's that's what it felt like. It felt like that was the game right there. And it, it obviously, you know, with the, a team like the Chiefs, you never you think you're out of it. So they probably didn't feel as much. But watching, you just know that 
Tampa Bay isn't like Houston. They're not like Tennessee where they're going to give up these kind of leads just because they have Tom Brady back there, right? So that was a big swing in the momentum because you get the fourth down stop and you're thinking, okay, here, here's where we turn it on. And it looked like it looked good. Tariq Hill catch the pass over the middle. And it was like, okay, now the Chiefs are starting to move. Now they're starting to, now they're starting to work. And then Kelsey drops a ball right in his hands that you nine times out of 10, like 99 times out of hundred, he's catching that and making something happen. And unfortunately for them, he ends up dropping it. And the, the, the punter for whatever reason ends up, you know, getting nervous and on the big stage and that happens. And all of a sudden uh, the Patriots, uh, not the Patriots, Tampa Bay is back and uh, the momentum just swings right away. And from then it was just all Tampa Bay and it seemed like there was nothing the Chiefs, uh, we're, we're able to do to counteract that. But that was definitely a big turning point in the game. Do you think this is Tom Brady's greatest Super Bowl? Simply because he called the shot. Here's where I'm going. I got some buddies who might come over here and play too. And at the end, he's the last man standing. This is up there. But watching the, the uh, Patriots against the Falcons game, I had almost turned the game off, and I was like, this game is over. And single-handedly, I'd never seen anybody do something what he did in that game, throwing for over 500 yards. I think single-handedly he won that game for the Patriots, and I would say that was his greatest Super Bowl. But this is up there because you talk about you know having really no offseason, having a brand-new roster, having a brand-new coaches that he hasn't had for 20 years, changing up everything in his life, like moving uh, down south, right? Everything was upended. But what stayed constant was his prep and his, his, his the way he motivates his guys, his uh, relationship building with his teammates and his uh, the way he's able to inspire guys. So uh, it's unbelievable what he did this season. This, this will go down in ages. They'll make documentaries about what he did this season because you just never see it. It's hard to win one Super Bowl when everything is perfect, right? And he had to deal with a lot. The whole team had to deal with a lot overcoming uh, a lot of uh, adversity, especially early in the season where they were they were just not clicking. They didn't look like a Super Bowl caliber team, but they turned it on. And a lot of credit goes to him, the coaching staff, especially those defensive coaches and players, because they're bought in. And um, it, honestly, it's 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 up there with one of his best Super Bowls just because of all the external factors that they have to deal with. But that Super Bowl against the Falcons, that comeback, I just I, I cannot get that out of my, in my head still. That was unbelievable what he was able to do there. This is up there, though. You think it's sustainable though? Like, for, like, could you see the Bucks doing this again? I do because they're so strong defensively, and that's always a, a great foundation, right? And they're so strong defensively. And the thing about Tom Brady is when he has more time with guys and more ability to build continuity with guys and have a full offseason, I can just imagine what is going to happen because he's he's pretty much going to be stay the same. Like Tom Brady's the Tom Brady we saw this year is probably going to be the Tom Brady we see for the next two, three years, right? Because he's figured out how to take care of his body and and, and sustain the level of play he has now. I don't see a big uh, drop-off, but I, that defense is unbelievable. Those defense coaches, because they made such a long run, they probably can't get uh, head coaching jobs right now, right? So the whole staff is going to be back. Arian said he's going to be back. Tom Brady said he's going to be back. The offense is still there. They might lose Godwin, but, you know, they have so many weapons. AB is going to be back. I see them going far. It's just about how, who stays healthy and if they can get hot at the right time. But, you know, they're all championship players now, and it's hard to be the championship team because they got that DNA. Should we all learn the tape from this? The lesson for all fans is make sure the O-line's okay when you're looking at football teams because that ended up being the difference, didn't it? 
Right. And we never thought that would happen in Kansas City, right? We all they're losing three starters. If that was any other team, it'd probably be a bigger deal. But we just thought Mahomes, it's Mahomes. He he he'll be able to cover it all. He's a magician, but the magician was missing his uh his assistant, his magician was missing his tools that make him great, and you, you saw what happened with that. So uh O line play is definitely something to watch. And I think O linemen maybe getting a bump and raise because of what we saw now. <laughs> Good for them. Well, a couple, I mean, you're a receiver, but, I mean, look at the plays that Mahomes made out there that, I mean, he still made throws running for, like, as you alluded to, 400 yards just running for his life that we don't actually account for because he was just under pressure. But, man, like, the way he could fling that ball off balance, flying in the air, just trying to make plays, I mean, extending plays that should have been over five seconds earlier. But, Nate. Where were the hands on the receivers? How many drops did you see out there? Come on. They could have used you out there. Yeah, that made me cringe so much because oh. that quarter, like he was fighting for his life. He would do like three, four spins, release it at the last second, and it go yeah. off and do I'm like, oh, my God. Like, after all that, you literally <laughs> could have the greatest catch in Super Bowl history yes. if you hang on. And I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, I was, obviously I'm in a text chain with a bunch of my buddies. I'm like, I would have caught that, man. Put me out there. <laughs> but that's how it goes. It's like, it's unbelievable. These guys aren't used to making those tough contested catches when all season long they're just running free and running in open spaces. And now it's a Super Bowl and things are a lot tighter. Your quarterback is scrambling. And he's got to make passes before he's ready. And they're just not used to it. I, I feel like they're just not used to it. They're not. They, they haven't ha- been in that situation a lot in their careers, especially being in Kansas City. And uh, it definitely showed there. But unbelievable. Probably three of the greatest incomplete passes I've ever seen. Ever, in my life. ever, ever. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, he looked like a shortstop. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, there's an amazing photo there. Uh, and maybe the tape part of it is as you said there. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs were always just good enough to win. They never covered the spread. It seemed this year. Because if they needed to play for 15 minutes, they did, and they were good enough. If they needed to play for a half, which is what they did against Tampa Bay in the regular season, they were good enough. And that seemed to get to them going, okay, this isn't working. How are we going to figure it out? And they ran out of time. Yeah. And the the thing that tricked us all was how handily they beat Buffalo, right? Because all season long, they're just barely winning. They're just – they're not never covering the spread. You know, they turn it on when they need to turn on. But then they get to the AFC Championship game, and they, they smash Buffalo, and we're thinking, okay, the Chiefs are back. Right, it doesn't matter if they're losing three O linemen; they're back. Right, they're gonna, we're all gonna take them, and they're gonna show us what, what what's what's really uh, what's really good. But you know, obviously, they you know it all caught up to them, and they faced a team that was you know really motivated in Tampa Bay, and all those dudes on Tampa Bay. This was their first time in a Super Bowl, right? This is their first time that that motivation factor, I feel, was, you know, heavier on the Tampa Bay side because, you know, they had lost this team earlier in this season, almost got embarrassed, and Terry Kill was throwing up the, the the peace sign, and a bunch of those guys remember that. And then this is also a lot of their biggest games they've ever played. They got a great game plan, and they have Tom Brady. So ultimate belief, all those things combined, you get the results you saw on Sunday. Um, before we kind of turn the page on this, uh, just to kind of change gears from the Super Bowl, uh, we start looking at the offseason and some of the moves. Help me out here. Walk me through this for a second because there's been a lot of rumors, a lot of different reports out there. But as a long-suffering Bears fan who continues the quest to find a quarterback, <laughs> Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz, if you had to pick your poison? I would I would go with Sam Darnold. He yeah. just seems uh, Wentz to me seems like damaged goods right yeah, now. Yeah, I was just gonna it's say it's just too much 
to fix is a lot of baggage that comes with him. You know, there was reports before about him, his teammates coming out and trashing him. Uh, he wasn't getting along with guys in the locker room. And it just seems like a lot for uh, a franchise quarterback. And Sam Darnold, you know, he's newer in the league. He's got a lot of potential, but he's just never really be, been surrounded by talent, right? And He hasn't been I, corrupted I would, yet. He hasn't been corrupted yet, Sam. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I would take my chance with them. Wentz, we, we, we see what happens. Tough. When you lose your confidence the way he lost it, it, it just really, I think it's really tough to get it back. He's really got to be in the perfect system, perfect coaches, and, uh, and for, for him to get it back. I would take Darnold right now. I don't know if that's a win for you either way, James. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, man, it's it's just the Bears' way, right? You either miss on a draft mm-hmm. pick or you take somebody else's uh, great unwashed Why product. not Deshaun Watson? Why aren't they going all up for Deshaun Watson? Oh, my gosh. I don't, I, I don't know if they have any draft. You know what? I, I love the idea of it. Uh, I just don't know if they want to go down the road after giving up all those first-round picks to get Khalil Mack get if Mack? they want to go down that yeah. again. But, man, I'll tell you what, you're set for the next probably 10 to 12 years with your quarterback position if you do go all in with Deshaun and you know what? I wouldn't be opposed to making that move. Uh, nice to catch up, man. Uh, this was Absolutely. a lot of fun over the course of the season. Let's uh, let's stay in touch with all this because it was uh, a lot of fun and a very weird journey with this uh, with the year. And uh, really appreciated the insight over the uh, over the last what five months, man. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, the fastest 18 weeks, five months of my life. This was a lot of fun, and I always look forward to the Monday. So let's keep it going. Hopefully yeah. next year I'm a little bit more busy, but I always got time for you guys. This is a lot of fun. Much love. Thanks, Much Nate. love. Thanks, Natay. There he okay. is, uh, Natay J from the All Ball Podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing him uh, making uh, spectacular highlight reel grabs in the Canadian Football League once again uh, this season. Uh, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this uh on this Monday morning, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. No Sonia Aslan this week. Uh, she is uh, on nights, so she's not getting up uh, bright and early to hang out with us this morning. So we'll give her a hall pass on that one, though, Pear. No, we will. She's busy doing other things. Uh, you know, great to talk to Nate. You are right. There's one picture circulating around. I mean, it's a baseball photo. Pat Mahomes is horizontal, two feet off the mm-hmm. ground, and flicking his wrist, and that pass was right on target it was amazing what he did to try and keep that football team alive and plays alive uh but i believe we just believed in andy reed that next man up has always been their theory anything is possible got them on a fourth down play and you just thought all right you're missing someone and they're going to get it done by the way there's so many great montages that they show prior to the super bowl with uh with tardif and and him leaving and his teammates talking about what he was doing on the front lines. You knew at some point it would be addressed. And there was a, um, a, a great video montage of everyone on the front lines and everything they do. And, uh, and the, the big Canadian O-lineman was a massive part of it. So, so many good stories going in, James. But how the Super Bowl ended was something not too many people saw. But at the end of the day, you got somebody with seven rings. Tom Brady saying that he didn't even sleep in his own bed, had to sleep in his daughter's bed because... Uh, nieces and nephews all over the house yesterday, but just keeps it going. Final man, 43 years old, seven Super Bowl titles. Amazing. Uh, never would have thought to see Pat Mahomes and that Chiefs offense shut down the way it was. Incredible job by what Todd Bowles and company did uh, on the defensive side of things, and and some great play, man, and some and some great players too, right? Like Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, who's kind of been the butt of a joke more than anything because of right be- because of the firework mishap. But mm-hmm. that dude can play. And and Domicon Sue, right? There was a time where, 
you know, he was the best defensive player in football, right? And he finally gets Super Bowl ring and uh, to, to see that sort of dynamic. But, Pear, 15 penalties were called in that game yesterday. 15 of them. And 11 of those were against the Chiefs for 120 yards. Like, you cannot gift those opportunities to Tom Brady in these moments, right? You just cannot. You know, Brady salivated at those. And that team took full advantage with a receiving core and a and a, rebo- and a reborn Leonard Fournette. Like, man, look at how that guy came along late in the season, right? He got better the later the season went. He wasn't very uh, – he wasn't all that flashy when he first got there. But, man, was he good down the stretch for them. You know, they always say, you know, once you've won it, do you lose that desire a little bit? I think you saw it in the St. Louis Blues, right? You, you've got to the top of the mountain. How bad do you want it again? And in watching most of the post-game show on the NFL Network last night, I felt there was a team that expected to win in Kansas City, and there was a team that really wanted to win in Tampa Bay. And that was the difference. You know, the, the desire to win it might have been greater on Tampa's side, and maybe that's what makes Tom Brady so great, that he's done it six times going into yesterday. But even though he's got there, the burning desire to win those big games has never flickered from that first Super Bowl win in 2002 and the drive to set up Adam Vinatieri's game-winning field goal. But I think Tampa Bay wanted it more. They played harder. They deserved it. And at the end of the day, Kansas City thought, we'll roll in, we'll look good, and we're the Kansas City Chiefs. And most people thought, yeah, you're right. You're Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And Tampa just said, no, we'll be ready for you, and we want it more, and full credit for them to get the victory. 24 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Monday morning. Uh, it is the starting lineup. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. It is also game day here for the Vancouver Canucks as they will try to end a four-game losing streak, and it's round three against the Toronto Maple Leafs later on this afternoon. Four o'clock puck drop, two o'clock pregame. We'll get you started with our own version of our pregame show. Kevin BX will drop by on your Canucks commute at 8 o'clock, but in a moment we'll dive into a weekend disaster, the latest for the Canucks, and we'll do that next. Next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 7.30, it is game day. Canucks and Leafs back at it again as they close out, close out their mini three-game uh, set. And I um, don't think too many Canucks fans will mind this uh, little series coming to an abrupt end because of the way it's played out. Canucks outscored 23-9 on this four-game losing streak. Uh, it has just been appalling uh, watching the play in their own end here, Pear, and... Uh, uh, the, the way that the Leaf Stars have played and performed in the last couple of games, uh, Vancouver just looks overwhelmed. They look completely overwhelmed in their own end. You, know, you go back two or three years when Jacob Markstrom or even Anders Nilsson, they'd give up that early goal, that soft goal. And the team just didn't have enough character to bounce back. It seems now, if it's not a goal early, but a lot of the times it is, it's just a, you're a couple shifts in and they just make an egregious mistake in their own end. And it comes from a veteran. On Saturday, it was Alex Hedler. Two penalties, I think, in the first five or six minutes. And you go, wow. Like, you you tell everybody two nights ago, you've been bad. We've got to get better. You say the right things on the off day. And then as soon as you jump on the ice for, to compete, 
you do something stupid in the first three or four shifts before you've actually gotten through the entire bench and got them on the ice. And it hasn't changed. And for the first time, James, tonight, I don't believe it changes tonight. I think these guys got to jump on the plane, come home, and and figure it out. And, uh, you know, Travis Green talked about it yesterday. Listen, he understands those who listen to the show, those who text in, and Green said it. Man, everybody is frustrated. Like everyone's frustrated. I understand fans being frustrated that we've lost some games here. Uh I get that. I would be too if I was a fan. And but I can tell you that there's no one more frustrated than the players in the room. Uh, the coaches, the players, they care. They want to win. Uh, they're frustrated. And, and we've talked to our group about, you know, the weight of your shoulders and how do you get out of it when you're not playing well or you're not winning. And um, sometimes you can overcomplicate it. But it's first of all, it has to be done together and working together, uh, pushing yourselves internally to be better. And part of that is practicing. Yeah. Uh, you know what, you know, the, the message yesterday, James, and you talked about it earlier is together. Like right now you wonder, are, are these guys in this fight together? Doesn't look like in the last week or two. They're not a team right now. They don't play like it. They don't act like it. They certainly didn't show that what we saw on Saturday night. Look at Braden Holpe and, and JT Miller and the disconnect between those two guys. We'll get to that in a second. Our, uh, Chris Versteek, who won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks, certainly had some wa- battles with the Vancouver Canucks over the years. He was on our sister station in Toronto this morning, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and weighed in on his assessment of the Canucks right now, and he didn't pull any punches. Watching them play is infuriating, whether it be watching Pedersen on the power play it, and just how he's just lax. He's just standing there. He doesn't. He wants the puck, but he doesn't want the puck. He's not moving when he gets it. There's a couple examples. If, if we had a TV monitor in front of me, I could explain. He would just stand in an area, and guys are looking to give him the puck, but he's standing so far away from or in no man's land, but there's no point to get it. So it starts with Patterson. It goes throughout their entire lineup. You have guys like Brandon Sutter who's playing hard, but besides that, it's really hard to see anyone playing with a consistent energy level and hate every single night. And that doesn't mean you got to go out and fight. It just means compete. Compete in the corners for 50-50 pucks. Compete in front of the net and get to places that maybe, maybe that other guys won't want to battle you in. So for Vancouver to be playing like that, uh, Kevin Bieksa brought it up on the desk, is he's bang on. But that's what I would do. I would, I would first off let every single guy know that their compete level's not good enough, and then I'd continue to kick every single garbage can in that room, which would hopefully fire them up for a good run. I was really worried about Tanev leaving Markstrom and Toffoli, but more so Tanev, just because the way he, he really insulated Hughes. He allowed Hughes to play offense, and I know Hughes is still skating and getting points offensively, but defensively, he's really getting exposed right now just because he doesn't have that solidifying factor like a Tanev to continually help him each and every uh, shift. And then you have Markstrom, who actually, if you look at the analytics of the game, he was taking high-quality danger chances every single game. So these are two huge losses, which I think changes a bit of the chemistry of the room. They can't fill these holes exactly the way they would have liked to. And then you're seeing a team that's also playing super lax every single night and not competing besides really JT Miller. And again, like I said, Brandon Sutter. So um, yeah, players meeting 
might help in the short term, but in the long term, there's a lot of holes that they need to fill. And they just, I think it really, again, starts with Pedersen and the way he's playing. Like, like I don't know if you guys are watching Vancouver, but remember Pedersen, every time he get the puck, he, he didn't care where his shot was going. He was just wiring the puck. And now he gets it, and he just taps it back and forth like five times. And I'm like, Where's he gonna, when's he going to wire this puck? Like, at least wire one. It doesn't even matter if it hits the net. Just fly it by some guys and make them, like, take notice that, man, I'm just going to wing it here a couple times at least. And that hasn't been happening, and he's setting the stage for the entire team. So everyone's looking for him to lead, and he's going to do it, I think. It's just he's got to find a way to do it. And you know what? Maybe he might also be a little bit, um, I guess, worried about McDavid, Matthews, all these other superstars really shining right now. So it might be wearing on him that he's not producing the way he wants to. But I think... I think for me that that's the, there's a lot bigger issues. And then in the short term, yeah, maybe some meetings would help, but not in the long term. So there's Chris Versteeg, right? And, and take an aim at Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes as well. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it, it's often felt like in the three seasons that we've had Petey in this market pair, it's kind of a no-fly zone, I find oftentimes with a lot of Canucks fans, like can't say anything critical about Pettersson. But look – if this is the guy who's the franchise player for this team, um, you know, we're more than a quarter of the way into this Canucks season, and it's been very underwhelming from what we've seen from him. Uh, a couple things that, that crossed my mind over the last three days. Uh, Pedersen had spoke um, during the off day before Saturday about how he loves to work on his own. He's kind of a lone soldier. Things aren't going well. He's going to dig in and, and work his way out of it. It's a team game, right? That's what I thought. It's a team game. So work on what you have to. Maybe there's extra time, but you're now a leader of this team. And you don't want, uh, you know, you don't want the young guys and others to go, oh, should we go over and bother him? He's kind of u- unique. You know, and I'll relate this to a story I heard over the weekend on a podcast. Chris Long was talking about his first time, former NFL great, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Pats and, and the, the Eagles. And he had said, you know, he leaves St. Louis and comes to, to New England They've already won three or four Super Bowls, and he's just walking in the room on OTAs, and Tom Brady sees him and walks up and says, hi, my name's Tom. He's like, like why are you introducing yourself to me? But he goes, that's leadership. It makes you feel comfortable. Pedersen's got to learn to make everybody feel comfortable and not just go off and work on it. And, and I thought Saturday as well, James, you're right, where he gets a free pass here. But guess what? We, we love the way he plays. But, you know, I thought on Saturday when he's pushed around a little bit off the puck and off, off the puck and – and I see Hoaglander battling lower center of gravity. And, and Petey's kind of got the stiff legs. And I thought, you know, when someone asked him this year, just in the first press conference, hey, did you put on any weight this summer? And he was like, really? We're still talking about it? And I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe you should have put on a little more muscle because you're getting moved off the puck a little bit. Like everything you do is not perfect anymore. And now you got to figure out how to get there. And it's the first for him, I'm sure, in his life. And he's got to figure a way out of it. But I don't think he can be immune to taking criticism. And Christopher Stig certainly pointing it on him a little bit in that comment. I, to me, I look at the body language. That, that to me, and, and Verstig alluded to that, right? It's the body language of Petey this season that just seems so noticeable that, you know, do you give an ish? Are you pouting? What is it, right? And it's the same as JT Miller. Right. And, and and Miller, in terms of that body language where, 
He seemed to he gave up on that play, right? Hope he tries to send the puck up to the right side and nothing along the wall, right? There's Austin Matthews dancing right by Miller, picks up the puck and goes five hole on Holpe and he's taking his mask off going WTF, right? And then it, it leads to a conversation between Miller and Holpe later on in the game and they're going back and forth, right? And Holpe didn't want to get into it and said, hey, look, what's what's set on the ice is stays on the ice. But there's they're speaking to the disconnect of that team. But it's it's JT Miller's body language out there. It is Pedersen's body language out there. They do not look like a team. Man, even Brock Besser, like, you know, fist pumping, like raising your stick and your arm in the air after scoring a goal when you've been down 5 nothing in the final, like, 120 seconds of the game. And you're going to celebrate that? You know, I had a player text me after that. He's like, are you serious? Come on. Read the room. Right? You don't celebrate yeah. a goal when you're down. You're down 5 nothing all game, and you get a garbage goal to clean up on the power play to close things out to avoid a shutout. You can't celebrate that. Like, this team does not look unified. And Pedersen's a problem. Miller's a problem. I think Bo Horvat needs to be better as well. I don't think he's helped the cause. It's just the leaders, man. And this is a young core. Guys trying to figure out who's the alpha on this team. But we're still trying to figure that answer out as they go into what looks like another Mission Impossible game tonight pair against the Leafs that have absolutely manhandled them. The fact is you always get into slumps in an NHL season. But the other fact is never in this kind of a setup. Never when you see the team that has your number the next game and the next game. Never in the fact that the team can't just let's get away, let's go to a restaurant, let's just let's this hash it out because you come to the rink, you play. If the result is terrible, you go back to the hotel in your separate rooms, and that's essentially it. That's not the way team sports are built. That's not the way hockey players are built. And I, I'm making an excuse for them. They've been terrible. But you do have to look at how much hockey they've played. They're young. They're in a situation they can't get out of. They've barely been able to practice. And the only saving grace, I don't expect this team to win tonight. I hope they compete a little bit better. I watched the Ottawa Senators be the better team against the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday and give them a run in that series. And you go, okay, that's all you ask for. I'll say this. The Canucks are not as good as Montreal. They are not as good as Toronto. But I'm still not convinced when they figure it out, they may not be better than at least Winnipeg or Calgary. And you just have to be in that fourth place spot and get in. there. So it's not lost. But what a terrible start this team has had. And they're frustrated as hell. And I like the fact that Holby called up Miller and Miller went back at him. Do that if you have to. Show you care. I'm sure Kevin Bieksa, when he joins us at 8 o'clock, he talked about it. There was no care factor there in the last 10 minutes of this game. It just seemed like, whatever. You guys waiting for Monday now? You've lost this one. And it's just okay to lose? It's not okay to lose in hockey, especially when you play the team two nights later. I... I... Look, there there is a diff, uh, a gross discrepancy right now between the haves and the have-nots right now in the North Division. Like, if, if seven teams in the Gord Downey Division, you know, Vancouver is kind of floating around the same point as the Ottawa Senators right now. And you've got two top-heavy clubs with the Leafs and the Habs. And then somewhere in that mushy middle, you've got Edmonton, you got Montreal, you got Winnipeg. And I guess Vancouver's trying to figure out 
if they're part of that discussion at this point, absolutely not. From what we've seen from this team, that's now six and nine on the season. We'll continue the conversation here in a moment. We'll hear from Braden Holpe, his comments from uh, Saturday night, uh, addressing the Braden, uh, the JT Miller situation. Plus Kevin BX will join us at eight o'clock on your Canucks commute. Six fifty, six fifty is the Dunbar lumber text line. What are you seeing from this team? Are you still keeping the faith? Are you still on board or are you breaking off that bandwagon? Your your thoughts, our thoughts, it's all happened. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 749 game day. Your Canucks pregame show. Starts at 2 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 4 this afternoon. Perfect for your ride home. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Kevin BX will join us just after 8 o'clock on your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. And here's Braden Holpe, pair on Saturday night after he was fed up with the effort and after seeing JT Miller get owned by Austin Matthews, and then Austin Matthews then owned Braden Holtby. Um, Holtby makes a routine save uh, a little later in the game, and you could see Miller mutter something to Holtby. Holtby turns around and gives it back to Miller, and there's two veterans, two key leaders on this Canucks team, clearly at odds right now. Here's what Holtby had to say about it. Yeah, I mean, that was set on the ice to stay on the ice. Um now it's play. I haven't uh, really seen it yet, but it's one that I've made a lot before. So um, I think it's not just that play. I think it's uh, you know, a lot of things to just try and get on the same page. And uh, that doesn't start anywhere else except for individually. And I think that is on me to make sure that uh, we get on the same page and, and things like that. I think it'd be better. You know, that is one thing that we have heard consistently, uh, especially after Saturday night's game. Pair get on the same page, you know, start, you know, this team is so, you know, Holpe called them a disconnected group right now. They are so disconnected. They are not on the same page. No. And they talked about it playing as five man units. I think you have to look at there's two guys in Miller and in Holpe and let them hash it out because to your point, and I'll ask Kevin Bieksa, when you're, when you're in year number two, like Quinn Hughes's and year three of Pedersen, I think, not that those guys get a free pass, but I don't think a teammate would be willing to call them up. I don't think you would see Holpe go at Pedersen on something like that. And I don't think someone would go on Hughes for something like that because they're growing. And I go back to, to what we heard from Chris Higgins, a clip from November that we played last week on Friday, saying, you know, what's going to be interesting is when this team struggles, if the young guys between the ears can be mentally tough enough. And I think that's what we're finding out. So on the periphery, it's going to be the old guys. Tyler Myers getting mad. JT Miller getting mad. Holpe getting mad at Miller. It doesn't seem like it's in the personality of Sutter or Beagle. But again, so there's Hughes and Pedersen. Let's not get at those guys because guess what? They haven't been through this before. But they got to come out of it as a group. They got to come out of it as five guys. You know, you can sit Jake for 10 and you can move a Zach McEwen in. You can move Louis Erickson in. It's not going to make a difference. It's it's up to 
you know, the veterans and the leaders of this team, and those leaders are young and have no, never been I, through this. Para, I've been saying this for weeks. Like, you're, you, this team will go as their best players take them, and they're just not taking them far at all right now where, you know, you can scratch Vertanen and Goddard and you bring in Louis as you, as you alluded to, but those guys aren't the difference makers on this team. They aren't. I mean, it's the best players. And, you know, Ken texting in here on the Dunbar-Lumber text line at 650-650, you know, from a mental standpoint, Ken has an interesting thought here. He says, we have to think, too, about the fact that COVID may be having a huge impact on some people in the league right now. That can be a giant mental distraction for anybody. And you look at where this team is. Look, I think this team is is under the same sort of restrictions and same sort of playing field as so many other teams across the National Hockey League. They've just happened to play a lot more. But you look at a couple of the key veterans, right? J.T. Miller. He's a young dad. There's a guy who's 26, 27 years of age. He's got some young kids. You know, Bo Horvat just became a dad in the last, you know, in the last year as well. You know, you have all that time when you're home, when the season finally comes to an end, you're home with your family for four months. And now, you know, you're doing this on your own. You're kind of just with your team. Like, I, I, I think that probably has an impact. You know, Matt Murray was talking about this recently, and look at the struggles that he's kind of gone through since he's become an Ottawa senator. Murray had his probably his best game so far as a senator on Saturday in that 2-1 loss to uh, to the Montreal Canadiens that you were alluding to, Pair. But, you know, there's a guy who had a newborn baby. You know, his kid's a month old, and he's essentially been away from that from that child for the last three-plus weeks. Right or almost four weeks since you know, a newborn baby and you're gone. You barely even see it. Right? You do. You do wonder how that's impacting some of your key vets, like Bo Horvat, like J.T. Miller. Oh, I, I think it is such a valid point that we don't get into. And you know, you you can play a hockey game, a sporting event, and if it's you know the weather is something, well, the conditions were the same for everybody, and you can say that in a sense that. Hey, everyone's playing in the North Division. Everyone's playing all these teams. But, you know, individuals handle different situations and are in different personal situations um, all the time, right? Everyone handles what we're going through differently. You you know, go back to the Super Bowl. Are you telling me that Andy Reid, the smartest head coach in the NFL, was as focused as he should be when his son on Thursday is involved in a car crash Rumors that he may have been driving under the influence and there were kids in hospital that are hanging on and in critical condition. The first thing Andy Reid said yesterday after losing was not about the football game. It was, this is the first time I've had a chance to be in front of you. I want to send my thoughts out to the families involved in the accident and my best wishes. We're human beings. These athletes are human beings. There's no way mentally everyone could be in the same boat. Yeah, they're going to put on their equipment. They're going to play at 4 o'clock. But to your point, Ken, and it's a valid one, and James, as you said, everyone's in a different state of where their world is away from the rink. This is their employment. They're affected a different way. Yeah, does that have a factor? Maybe more so on the Canucks and some of their team than others. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think credit to the players. They don't use it as an excuse, but it's a reality that we have to maybe put more thought into. Kevin Bieksa joins us next on your Canucks commute here on this game day. Canucks, Leafs here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute.
There was just way too many gracious losers tonight. It's not the losing and the back-to-back -back losing. It's the way they're losing. It, it, it's just fun. It's fun to play against Vancouver right now. And that's the, the, the worst thing you can say about a team is that they're fun to play against. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. It is your Canucks commute here at 8 o'clock on this uh, Monday edition of the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. It is game day once again. Canucks and Leafs ready to go at it. Uh, puck drop at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Pre-game show starting here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, beginning at 2. A reminder, this hour the starting lineup is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you, and boy, man, Kevin BX will join us here momentarily, Pear, but he absolutely nailed it at the conclusion of the Canucks and the Leafs game on Saturday night. So often, uh, you know, we talked about how the start of the season, at least, was, was kind of like pond hockey, right? Oh, we'll I'll try and finesse you. Haven't seen too many hits. And I guess it was understandable with no preseason games and jumping right into it after a short training camp that maybe you weren't going to see it. But all you want from your hockey team, and it hasn't been glorious for the Canucks here all the time, but you just need them to compete. I watched the Ottawa Senators compete hard against the Montreal Canadiens. They were unfortunate not to win on Saturday. But that Senator team that was terrible two weeks ago against the Vancouver Canucks, at least the kids were out there trying. And from a Canucks perspective, and I think that's what BX was getting at after, like, show me something that says, you know what, we don't like being embarrassed and we're not going to roll over and we'll see you in 48 hours. And there was nothing in the third period that showed that. Absolutely lifeless. Uh, absolutely lifeless that they just kind of coasted through and then broke the shutout uh, with, what, two minutes to go with a with a late late game garbage goal on the man advantage that at least gives them one but they've been outscored 23 to 9 so far on this four game losing skid you know what's crazy pair they gave up on the four game win streak when they that that ended after the win against the jets a little over a week ago they gave up four total goals in four games when they won they basically almost doubled that in one night in the first game against the Montreal Canadiens. And since then, they've been averaging almost six goals against on a nightly basis on this four-game slide. 23 goals against in four games. That's crazy. Like, we're talking like Canucks teams from the mid-'80s that used to get rocked by the Flames and the Oilers. Like, that's what it's starting to look like again. Only instead of Tanty and Gradine on the ice and Smeal, it's Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat. Yeah, you know, you look at those goals against against Ottawa, though. Remember, I think that last game where they gave up one, they gave up 23 or 24 shots in that first period. So it's not like they've only been able to lock it down. Honestly, and we've watched every minute of this team this season, I'll give them, you know, 40 minutes against Winnipeg. That second and third period against the Jets, when, as they spoke about yesterday, we got to get out of this as a five-man unit. As a five-man unit, there was desire, there was compete. They locked it down and deserved that over a good Winnipeg team. But it's disappeared since they left that last Saturday in Winnipeg. They have not found anything and have kind of come apart more said than coming together. Yeah, no, 100%. Let's, uh, let's get Kevin BX in here, who uh, might be the next co-star along with Ice Cube in the next installment of Are We There Yet? after driving from Toronto to Southern California. Juice, 
Welcome back to the show. And how many days did that trip take you anyway? Uh, I took my time. I, I've done it before in three days. I've, I've went coast to coast several times now. Um, I'm kind of that crazy driver that I have a dog that doesn't love to fly. So if I can drive with him, I, I do. And Aww. I did this one. Uh, I visited our, our good friend Darcy Hordachuk in uh, Phoenix for a couple nights. <laughs> oh. and, and went to, went to the Phoenix Open with him and um, oh. kind of uh, – Killed, killed the trip a little bit, broke it down a little bit. So, and then I spent a couple nights with a couple friends on the way. So, um, it was it was a good trip. I enjoyed it. So, I somehow ended up at a Hortichuk uh, Super Bowl party years back after the Waste Management Open. What that guy is is the greatest salesman around. What is he doing? Is he working for private jets now, right now, or what's Horty up to? Horty started a company that, uh, it's funny, it's Canadians that need to move down to the U.S., so all the accommodations of that, and I mean, I'm probably butchering exactly what it is, but that's essentially the, the thing, is Canadians that have to move in, and set up shop in the U.S., and he helps facilitate all that, but you know him, he's got his hand in everything, like, he, uh, yeah. it's typical Horty, right? Like I, I knew it was going to be there. He actually puts me up in his con to one of his rentals. No problem. Like everything looks great. And then the next day I'm supposed to meet him at the waste management open. And I go, okay, Horty, like, where do you want me to meet you? And he's like, Oh, I've been at the course in six. I'm cause he runs it. Right. He's part of a group that runs this course, this tournament every year. Yeah. And he says, okay, well like just go t- take an Uber. It's easier. And just kind of like, there'll be a lot of checkpoints, but just say you got to pick up a package from this one at one building. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, like whoever asked. And just pretend like you have something. And I go, I can't do stuff like that, Hordy. Like, just tell me a place to meet you. So anyways, I get there, and it's just running through hoops, right? Like, nothing's as it. It's not like there's, like, a ticket waiting for me at will call. It's like I basically have to, like, lie my way in there to get to Hordy. And eventually I just give up, and I get dropped off at the uh, Fairmont Princess Hotel. He calls one of his friends, and one of his friends comes in a golf cart, picks me up, and basically just ushers me through all the cops, all like the crowd, right into the course, right to the 18th hole, little uh, party behind. And Hordy's just sitting there running the whole show. It was, it was just textbook Hordy, like chaos, right? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, you know, Juice, I will say this in closing on Darcy Hordachuk. Going back to the, the season that the NHL canceled the campaign uh, because of the lockout in 04-05, I was out one night, I think it was in Ottawa, and... Hortichuk was in town and he had made business cards. He was getting into real estate at the time. They, and he probably had the greatest business card ever. Like it was one that folded open. It was almost like a double the size of a regular business card. Glossy, shiny picture of him in a Florida Panthers uni. You know, his signature uh, printed across it. I don't think he stayed in the real estate game all that long at the time because he wound up getting back and playing with you. But it was, uh, oh, man, like, you talk about a salesman? That guy was born to sell. He, you know what? He's, he's polarizing, though. Like, I watch him interacting with everybody, and, you know, there's some, there's some successful people there, and Hordy's right in the mix. He can talk with anybody. He's genuine, too, so people like him that way. And then once in a while, he'll get into the fight stories, and, and for most people, like, they eat that up, right? Talking about fighting Bob Probert twice. He fought him the first time and kind Crazy. of gave it to him, and then, he was, it was his idol. He didn't even want to hit him. And then the next time they're in the box and Probert's like, we're going next shift, kid. He's like, what? No, we're not. And then they come out and Probert just beats the wheels off of him. Like, he can tell those stories to a, like a crowd of 20 people and everybody is just intently listening because other than Luongo, everybody likes them, right? 
<laughs> well, and, and you know what? Keeping the Darcy theme and the fighting, someone texted go, I can't wait to hear Kevin at, at 8 o'clock with you guys. He's going to tell them he need, they need to fight without telling him you want them to fight. You called out the Canucks in a sense Saturday after the game. James and I have been saying for the last two hours, like, show me some compete. Show me you're pissed off you're down 4 nothing." We saw Ryan Getzlaff drop the gloves when they were down 3 nothing to St. Louis last week or two weeks ago, kind of going, guys, this is not how it works. Is that what the Canucks are missing right now? And it doesn't have to be a fight. Lay somebody out, hit somebody, but just go, we're not accepting this. Are they accepting too much right now? Well, to, to quote Berkey, at least give somebody a dirty look, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if, if, if you want, you know, Brock Besser and Pedersen and Bo fighting people. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a big difference between being competitive and being a sore loser and dropping the gloves. If there's guys whose roles on that team aren't to fight, there's guys whose roles are to fight once in a while. Eh? Roussel and, you know, Vertanen, if he's in the lineup and, and, Jordy Ben, like he did the other night, a great job against Simmons. Like, that's the right time to fight. But the way the NHL is these days, you don't necessarily need to fight, but you do have to show a little bit compete and a little bit pissed off when you lose. And, you know, you, I, I think of Alex Burroughs and, and Cass and myself. Like, what do you think we would do, uh, Rick Rippon, if, if we were getting pumped four games in a row and we were getting pumped again for the Leafs and we played them again another time? You know, the game was pretty much over after the, the, the first, like the first half of the game at least. We would at least be running around, and probably there wouldn't be a fight, but we would at least show that, you know what, if, if you, you guys are going to win this game, yeah, but we're going to take a piece out of you. We're going to take a chunk out of you, whether it's with a hit, whether it's with a scrum, whether it's with, you know, shooting a puck off your ankle. It's, it's just that competitive nature where you don't go down easy and you don't make it. Like, you see – and I don't, I don't mean to fire everybody up here in Vancouver, but like you're watching the game and you see like some of the Leaf guys just laughing on the bench in the middle of the game and smiling and coming off and high five. And it's just, that would just irritate me so much as the other team, the teams that, that were really good when I played, I remember when Anaheim won the cup, if you got up two nothing or three, nothing against Anaheim, you were almost scared. You're like, Oh no, like get up on Boston. You're scared. You're like, Oh, here we go. Everyone's going to be running around, skill guys, tough guys, everybody, and they're going to make it a tough, tough night, and you're either going to have to fight your way out of the building or they're going to crawl back into the game. And that, that's kind of just what I'm saying. It's just show that little bit of compete, slash a guy, hit a guy, you know, block a shot. Like, just don't give up. No, I, I 100%. I, it's you know, Turn up the given-ish meter, it seems like, more than anything. But Kevin Bieksa here on uh, Sportsnet 650, you look at how did you interpret the Holtby and Miller interaction on on Saturday? Well, I know there was a lot put into that yeah. exchange, but you know what? Like, I don't think those are as big of a deal as people think. I, I got like not often, but there was battles with goalies, and some goalies are fiery, and and some goalies will bark at guys after a goal. Like they're competitors; they don't want to get scored on, and. I don't know exactly what that was. I know we're all trying to basically read on what happened there. It looked like Holpe threw the puck up the boards, and, and I don't think he thought Miller gave a good enough effort and whatever it is there. But I think that stuff's good for teams. And, and you go back to the, the talk, um, you know, that I don't know if I had it with you guys, but on the Calgary show uh, about the team meeting that they had in Calgary a few weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And that's when you have to be honest with each other and you have to say things to each other that maybe – 
hurts feelings, but that's how you move forward as a team. And I think with Holpe and Miller, whatever is going on there, whatever is going on with the team, it has to be put on the table in the dressing room. And if it's players only meeting great, if not in front of the coaches and staff, but if there's some issues with like, I don't think you're trying hard enough. I don't think you're giving it your all. You're not on the same page. You're not paying attention to meetings. They have to get that stuff out and challenge each other because the best teams like Jonathan Taves is notorious for yelling at his teammates, even if it's Duncan Keith, if he doesn't feel like he's doing a good enough job. And it just so happens they were the most dominant team of the, the 2010s. So I think the team needs that. And those are two veteran guys. I, I think they should be able to settle that stuff. Do we put too much into the fact that they haven't had many practices? I think Travis said yesterday that might have been their second practice in like 14 days. When you're struggling, do you need to get on the ice with the coach blowing the whistle and working everybody? Well, practice, practicing would help to a certain extent, but you, you do so much video now. And, and I mean, like the, the defensive zone lapses and everything like that, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do in practice. Yeah, you can do some down low coverage and some drills some three on three below the circles and, and work on that. But defense is all about positioning and effort. And positioning you can outline in video sessions and you can highlight it. And then effort is just effort. Effort is just, you know, being relentless, not wanting to get scored on, not wanting to get beat off the wall by your guy, boxing a guy out in front of the net. Like there, there's, there's not many coaches that I have ever seen in the NHL that teach you how to properly box a guy out. By the time you get to the NHL, you know all the tricks of the trade. And, and, and there's not much to it. There's, you know, you're trying to get in front of your guy and the guy going to the net and your goalie and, and control his stick and not, you know, like there's a couple little tips, like the, the one Chatfield goal where Chatfield's uh, cross-checking Simmons from behind. Um, I know he's trying to like keep him from position, but when Simmons gets position in front of the net and they can now in the NHL, because there's a lot less that's being allowed, you have to control his stick. It doesn't so much matter where his body is or moving him. The goalie's job I think it was uh, Demko at the time is, is to, is to fight around that screen and see where the puck's coming. But your job is to make sure that he can't tip the puck and he can't change direction because then the goalie has no chance. So you have to be under a stick when the puck is shot and make sure that you're controlling that. So there's a little, there's some things there, but I don't buy the the practice uh, argument too much guys. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, it's uh, they've they've certainly played a lot here. As this will be the 16th game, and I believe 27 days after tonight. But uh, with we've seen a lot of trends already. We've talked about this uh, in the past year, Kev. Uh, we saw Travis Konechny, what about a week and a half ago? He was a healthy scratch by your old boss, Alain Vigneault. Uh, Jeff Blaschel scratched uh, Anthony Mantha uh, the other night as well in Detroit. Like Adam Henrique, Adam Henrique in Anaheim. Yeah, and, and so yeah. so there's there's like three notable names that have have you know suffered the I guess the unfortunate experience of being a healthy scratch, and we talk about it. But is is that something like? Do you think that's that's a weapon or a tool that Travis should play here that? You know, beyond just scratching the Vertanens and the Godets, I mean, those those aren't the guys who are going to win or lose the game for you. But does it? Is there any logic to maybe scratching somebody of substance here on this team? Yeah, I don't know that. That's a slippery slope, doesn't that? And that's Travis has to feel that out, and he has to know his team and know if that's gonna, if someone's gonna respond from that. But uh-huh. I just know when I was one of the top players, I absolutely if I were to be scratched. Like, <laughs> I just would not be happy. Even if I came back in the lineup and scored a hat trick, and I can imagine if Kess was ever scratched in his prime or, or the Twins, like, it, 
I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of, of those tactics. I think I think guys want to win and guys want to do well enough on their own internally, unless you have some bad apples on your team. But from kind of just what I've heard and what I know about the top guys in band, the Pedersons, the Hugheses, these guys are super internally motivated and they want to do well. It's not like the problem is the other team's trying to win the game too, right? They're, they're not just letting you do whatever you want. So both teams are trying to win the game, but I don't know if it's lack of effort right now for, for most of those guys. It's, it's a little bit of like execution. It's a little bit of confidence, right? Because execution's down right now for, for the Canucks. And when execution goes down, then confidence goes down right with it. Now you're not a very good player. When you don't have that, that feeling like you can do anything out there, every pass is a battle. Every, like every pass you're receiving or giving, every like puck you're trying to get in deep, everything's just a battle out there. And it, it's a tough thing to explain to people that have never played like a high level of sports. But when you have confidence, you feel on top of the world and you feel like the best player in the world. And when you don't have confidence, you feel terrible. You're just second guessing yourself. And it, it, it's a very difficult thing to overcome. So um, I, I'm not, I'm going to go on record and say, I don't like the healthy scratch, uh, you know, thing, but that's, again, that's going to be on Travis and see like what, what kind of a pulse does he have on this team? Does he think that we would respond to that? Kevin BX joining James and Perry as he does every Monday morning. We can't be sports psychologists juice and, and, we don't get to see these guys anymore, but I'm going to assume, you know, Pedersen said prior to Saturday's game, he's a guy who likes to work on his own, you know, just figure out his problems. Um, He's a quiet guy, but he's a guy who pushes himself. He's a perfectionist. As a teammate, did you have people like that in the locker room? And if so, did you not want to pipe up at them and just know, Hey, you know that he's beating himself up about it because it seems like with Hughes and with Pedersen, those are the guys that you're probably just going to put that arm around rather than come on, man, let's, you know, make some better decisions. Do you have to know what his teammates, what they need? Yeah, I think so. And those guys you have to remember are still young guys in the league and they, they're, they're, they have major, major roles now on the team. And there's a lot that uh, is at stake for those guys. If they don't produce, then there's a good chance that Canucks don't win every game. So it's a lot of pressure on those young guys. And like I just said, I talked to Travis about this last year when he was down here in California. Those two, he says, are a joy to coach because all he's like, all I have to do is give them the look and they know. I don't have to yell at them. I don't have to – they want to win. They want to do the right things. They want to play the right way. So if I'm a teammate and I have guys that are like that, then, yeah, you're putting your arm around them. You're, you're saying, you got it, man. Like, you're going to figure it out. And if I'm a coach, I'm, I'm showing them like Rick Bonus would always do for us when we were going through a tough time. Tons of video, right? show us probably like a couple good things we're doing. And then, you know, but hit us with the hard stuff, hit us with the five, six clips and, and, and take a couple things at a time and just, you know, go into games thinking, okay, I'm going to concentrate on this tonight. I'm going to concentrate if I'm Quinn Hughes on moving the puck and, and, and getting my feet going, you know, and give them, give them a couple things to concentrate on. But uh, like much like the Sedins, right? Those guys were so internally motivated and accountable. Like you didn't have to yell at those guys as teammates. Like I don't ever remember saying, let's go Danny, wake up, stop eating candy all the time. Or, or Henrik, like stop, get out of the hot tub, Hank and get in the gym. Like I never had to yell at those guys, right? Like they, they were going. And uh, I think Vancouver has, you know, the same problem with their top guys. Like not the problem, the same uh, luxury. Like they're, they're internally motivated guys. They don't need to be yelled at. I don't think. Um, 
this Leafs team that uh, we've watched uh, dismantle the Canucks the last couple of nights here, how good is this team in your mind? Well, the Leafs in, in Montreal right now are kind of separating themselves from the rest of the North totally. Division, unfortunately. They just uh, two two different teams. I think Montreal is built from the net out, which I think makes a championship team. Yeah. Uh, it just it, they seem right now like they're gonna they're gonna be a force to play in a seven game series with uh, Carey Price. They're big, tough, stingy. They're heavy, men. right? They're they're oh, heavy, but yeah. they got skill. Yeah, they're they're built for the playoffs. I really like Edmondson. I think he really solidifies like last playoff run Montreal went through with three defensemen the trident the mm-hmm. trident that I coined them and they had some contributions from Kulak and Mete at times but it was the big three and then you add Edmonton to the to the list now you add that Romanov well now their back end could be the best back end in the league you got the best goalie in the world maybe in the last 10 years and then you got some forwards that you got Anderson who's a stud and then they got all their young guys they've all taken that step where everybody was like oh they're gonna have a letdown after the playoff run last year, like KK and Suzuki and Dino. Well, no, they're just getting better. So pretty impressive team. And then the Leafs, the Leafs just, they can score goals at will. Like their top end guys are so good. Like I've watched Matthews a lot now the last couple of years. This is a guy, and for how skilled he is, best shot in the league, best release in the league, he's competitive. He's mean. He's He's taking a step, eh, Juice? Like you you just see there's a pushback from him now. I, I don't know, like, I'm just speculating, but was it a little bit of him training with Connor McDavid in the uh, off season and like, okay, mm-hmm. this guy's the best guy in the world. I want to be the best guy in the world. And I feel like mm-hmm. you, you could just see when they played Edmonton it, and McDavid went end to end and scored that beautiful goal. The next shift, I was, I was sitting with Berkey and, and Ellie and a bunch of guys. And I'm like, watch, watch Matthews. Like, look, he's, he's sitting on the bench watching that highlight reel goal by the best guy in the world. And he's like, screw you. Like, I'm going to match you. And he went out and he scored the very next shift. It wasn't a highlight reel goal, but you can just see, you're right. He's taken that next step and he wants to be the guy and, and, and that team. And then they get, you know, they get some contributions from their bottom six, Bezos Hattricks and Simmons with a whole bunch of five goals. And that, that's why that team's doing so well right now. Yeah. And if, if the Canucks aren't going to try and hit them, I mean, I think I would take the Leafs in a pawn hockey game against anybody in the North division. Cause they just keep on going and they're doing it without Joe when he comes back. So, who knows? Yeah, Thank you for gotta, this, Kevin. Gotta, I don't know. What do you think we see tonight? At least an effort. Is that all you can ask from the Canucks compete? Yeah, you, you got, you're going to have to muck it up a little bit. You're going to have to slow down these uh, the high-flying Leafs and, and clog it up a little bit. Maybe probably not the game to trade chances. Probably uh, try to win this game 2-1 and uh, just play high percentage, be above the puck. You know, you know what that means, being above the puck, right? Not like sending everybody and having your guys behind you and, and just, just mm-hmm. defend first. Worry about defending first, and hopefully your goalie can steal one. You get a power play goal, win it 2-1. You heard it here first. Oh, listen to that. I also, I, That's I also too much I'll, California, yeah. too much driving. See, ball. he's going to give up one goal. The Canucks, one. <laughs> no, no, no Super Bowl questions either, eh, guys? You are up in Canada, aren't you? Did, did you watch that last night or what? Well, yeah, I was one of the 50 million watching it. Of course I did. Who didn't? But you had KC like we did, didn't you? I actually did. I did have KC. Yeah. I, I just did not think Mahomes could get shut down like that. And, and I think either. his turf toe, I'm not making excuses for him, but he didn't run around. Like he ran for 400 yards, they said, the stats. But he wasn't as yeah. effective running around and throwing the ball. Like he, he threw like, like he threw in desperation a lot because he couldn't set his feet because of his, his turf toe. So... Whatever, Tom Brady's the best. It was it was good to see that though. 
Do you appreciate that as an athlete to see like what that guy's doing still at 43 pulling that off? Oh, 100%. I think every athlete appreciates that and is just in awe of going to a new team like that and just putting them on his shoulder. And I, I watched them all year. I have a lot of guys. I have Mike Evans. I have a uh, Fournette. I had them on my fantasy team this year. So I watched them a lot, like a lot of the games. And they literally got better every single game. They were, I think they were 5-5 five and five at one point. And they just, every game, a little bit better. Every game, offense looks a little bit better. A little bit more in sync. When, when they're being blitzed and Brady would have to unload it and guys have to cut their routes off. You know, you could see, like, in the beginning of the season that wasn't there, and Brady's yelling at guys after. He's like, what are you doing? you got to do this. And you saw them come into sync as the season went on, and they started making those reads on their own, and it was, it was fun to watch. It, it looked like Tampa Bay was going to do everything to win, and Kansas City just expected to win, right? Now, a little bit like the Canucks. You can't just go out and expect you're going to win. The hard work was there from Tampa Bay. They were more physical yesterday. The defense outplayed Casey's defense for sure. That Matt, that uh, Matthew, who's the captain of, of Kansas City's defense, I'm watching the game with my son, and I'm like, "Bud, see what I told you about just keeping your control of your emotions." Like he was out of control, and he's probably one of their best players on defense. But he got so out of control, and he's taking penalties, and he's chirping Brady after touchdowns, and he took himself out of the game. And he was not very effective because he just lost control. Of, he's yelling at guys on the sidelines. And it's a fine line between having that intensity and not being out of control. And I felt like that was an example of a guy who lost control of his emotions. Nice to catch up, buddy. You take care out there, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. And uh, um, I feel like a lot of people are texting and saying they could, the Canucks could use you out there right now, Juice. So still got some love up Yeah. There. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. 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 There's Kevin Bieksa talking Super Bowl and uh, what's wrong with the Canucks right now, Pear? Um, yeah, I like just, what he said. Just compete, man. Just look for them to get back to competing tonight as a five-man unit. If they give up something early again, I just don't know how they fix it. No, I, 100%. I mean, I, I just don't see it being a low-scoring affair tonight. That's why I'm still probably no, leaning towards the over. No, I don't see the them over. playing any games uh, giving up one goal, and that's a bad thing, right? Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, 27 minutes after 8 o'clock uh, here on this Monday morning. Uh, we'll put a bow on the Super Bowl. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line open as well at 650-650. Get your thoughts on what you thought of Juice's assessment of the uh, Vancouver Canucks after an ugly weekend again, and they'll uh, play third game against the Leafs later on this afternoon. Uh, also, uh, Magic Johnson is coming to Vancouver uh, in a month from now, virtually anyway, at the uh, JCC Sports Dinner presented by Royal Bank at RBC. Um, it will uh, announce an early bird winner. Yeah, there's a 50-50 with some cash up for grabs. We'll get to that, plus we'll put a bow on the Super Bowl, all that and much, much more here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day. Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 8.34 here on this Monday morning. It's the starting lineup here on your home in the Canucks Sportsnet 650. It is game day. Uh, Canucks and Leafs uh, puck drop 4 o'clock pregame show here later this afternoon beginning at 2. A reminder this hour, a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. Let me ask you this, Pear. Um... You've talked about the idea of wanting to see Demko get a run 
But based on tonight, I feel like how things played out on Saturday, I'd be inclined to go back to Braden Holpe tonight. How it played out in the sense how he played or the fact that he showed the fire? Just just showed a little fire, right? And and look, if, if you're going to, you know, look, as he kind of said himself too, hey, look, this has got to be on me too, right? You know, we got to get on the same page. And he kind of took ownership of that beyond just, you know, the back and forth with Miller. But if you're pissed off, you're fired up, this might be a perfect opportunity to say, okay, you know what? You want a Vesna, you want a cup. All right, let's see what you got here. Well, to Kevin BX's point, and we've talked about it, there is so much pressure on the star players, and the star players being Pedersen and Hughes, uh, that they are, you know, you'll let them be. They'll work through it. They are perfectionists. They know when they're not playing well. The same thing can be said of Thatcher Demko. He came in with the same kind of mindset. I'm now a number one goalie in the NHL. I've shown the league how good I can be. I don't want to be bubble Demko. I want to prove that I can play. Um, Your theory is interesting. I would say this, though. If you do that, when it seems from a rotational basis, this is now Demko's game, are you more worried about Demko's mindset being a young and experienced guy uh, than you would be Holpe if Thatcher gets the start? I see where you're going, and I don't mind it. Because I said Rama Demko after he played really well in Winnipeg, and then they didn't, and then Demko wasn't great against the Leafs either. I would stick with the rotation right now because I didn't think Holpe was, uh, wasn't great on Saturday. The only thing I liked was the fact that he blew up and said it's unacceptable. But I like your mindset. Okay, you said it. Now let's see if you can be better. Uh, Scott Ritual Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Uh, the Canucks will also have their media address coming up at uh, 9 o'clock this morning uh, from Toronto. Uh, JT Miller and Travis Green expected to meet with the media here in about uh, a half hour from now. So uh, we'll get to that uh, with Scott Ritual Show coming up later on. So here we are. Uh, it is 8.36 here on this Monday morning. Our good friends over at the uh, JCC, they've got their annual sports dinner, the Royal Bank JCC Sports Dinner coming your way Less than a month from now, March 3rd, Magic Johnson, part of the event. He's coming to Van City virtually, uh, taking part. And uh, Jason Tackerman rejoins us from the JCC. Uh, Jace, good morning. How was that Super Bowl, man? Did you like that? I loved it. And you know what? No, not a lot of people talk about this, but that's former Montreal Expo draft pick Tom Brady. Yes, that's right. right. Think of how good the Expos would be if he, <laughs> if he played baseball. They never the would yeah, the Washington Nationals finally get that Expos World Series in 2019, and now Brady wins a seventh Super Bowl for Les Expos. It's raining Expos, guys. That like it's raining Expos. <laughs> Shout out did to you Gary have, Carter. Did you have the Bucks or did you have the Chiefs yesterday going into that? I took the Bucks. Uh, oh. I didn't like the offensive line stuff. I didn't like uh, the Britt Reed thing. Kind of threw me off, also. And I, for whatever reason, I think playing in your home stadium, also especially with COVID with all the sort of precautions and protocol and they weren't able to sort of get into a rhythm, just like with the whole Super Bowl week, I think that was a big factor and, and it showed. 100%. Uh, I mean, it, in hindsight, I don't think enough of us put enough stock into the offensive line or the lack thereof for the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, as we touched on, ran for 400 yards that weren't accounted for for simply running for his life. So, hey, we want to get somebody paid here this morning, Tack. What uh, yep. what are we doing here? What are we announcing? So one of the uh, aspects of going virtual this year is that we're able to reach a lot of people. Traditionally, uh, we're able to go into the downtown height in Vancouver. We have a thousand people. We've been sold out for 10 years. It's great. 
but it's a fixed number of people, even though it's one of the hottest tickets in town. But now being virtual, we can reach a lot of people uh, across Canada. We have tickets being sold in the U.S. And one of the aspects of connectivity we have in fundraising is we're doing a 50-50 live draw March 3rd, the night of the dinner. But we even have an early bird $1,000 giveaway uh, that we have today. So amongst the, amongst the I think we're at $25,000 that we've uh, raised for the 50-50, we're giving away $1,000 of that this morning. Okay. All so, right. I like it. Uh, and, and along with the 1000 this morning, we'll find out what goes on there. Other things you can win? Uh, Other things we can car. win? We have a 2021 luxury Cadillac XT4 donated by our great friends at uh, Do It GM. We have a seven-night vacation in uh, Maui. We have a, a huge 50-50 draw. And speaking of Super Bowls, mm-hmm. we have a pat in, in our silent auction. We have a Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, James, your old friends. Yeah. Autographed football, Joe Montana autographed jersey, Drew Brees framed photo, jersey and football, Pat Mahomes uh, framed autographed photo. So we've, we've kind of cornered the Super Bowl MVP market. I'm going to guess that uh, Rudy Rudiger is probably not going to bid on the Joe Montana you know, autograph football. Right? He's not returning our emails. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's funny. Ron Paulus, Rick Meyer, none of the Notre Dame guys are just returning. Like, it's, I don't know what's happening there. It's weird. They've, they've, all, gone, they've all gone dark. And by the way, if anybody, uh, if, if you were at the JCC Sports Dinner back in 2019, you'll remember the conversation. Uh, Joe Montana totally burst the bubble of the, the story of Rudy, one of the great football movies of all time. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know the story, I highly just give it a Google. Joe Montana and Rudy, he shared the story, but it is priceless. So, who's walking away with some cash this morning? Then, can we get a drum roll, please? Let's do it. Let's get. Let's see if we can get Greg on uh, on a drum roll. If not, we'll just have to do the old school Wayne's World. Balik's got so much stuff. Oh, I didn't have the drum roll ready. There you are. Sorry, we have Esmond. All yours, Tack. Desmond Johnny of Burns Lake, BC. Congratulations. You are the Cadillac Raffle Early Bird winner of $1,000. Woo! 1000 bucks. And that's the great part also is like we would never, in a normal year, we would have never been able to reach someone in Burns Lake, right? And there are sports fans all over this great province, all over this great country. And that's one of the things that we're really looking forward to is March 3rd with you, James, and, and Magic Johnson. Uh, we're selling tickets for $36, all virtual this year. Anybody could participate in it. Anyone could buy a 50-50 raffle. Anyone could get into the silent and live auction. So we're looking forward to sort of expanding our reach and, and helping raise money for kids' activities at the JCC. I, like, I grew up, I, I was a huge Magic and Kareem fan, so I've been kind of fanboying about this internally, but just kind of going through my shopping list of questions, just trying to whittle down, okay, what am I going to have time? Because there's so many things to talk to Magic. Like, not only is he one of the greatest basketball players ever, but man, you talk about a boss in the corporate world too. I know. Like, like you talk like a guy who has become one of the most incredibly successful business leaders over the last thirty years beyond playing basketball. And a huge philanthropist, like really just yeah. kind of. I mean, it, it's funny because what made Magic Johnson an incredible basketball player was his vision and anticipation. And that's literally he has taken that into the boardroom also. Uh, and, and really, one of the best role models you can have for any athlete mm-hmm. or for anyone that, let's say, doesn't make their hay uh, in a boardroom, but just being able to do that transition is absolutely incredible. And I just found out yesterday 
his NCAA championship game with Larry Bird, Indiana State, Michigan State, that is still the highest rated NCAA. Isn't that crazy? 40 40 million people, 40 40 years ago, there were 40 million Americans watching that game. With all the increase we've had in amplification, social media, TV, Final Four, football stadiums, uh, 65 teams or whatever they do now on the Tuesday, and that's still the number one most watched college basketball game ever. That is unbelievable. That in itself speaks – you could probably do 30 minutes just on that. Yeah, we sit I've... we sit here and we kind of we don't want to push Pedersen and Hughes too much because they're so young. But there's magic going from college. There's magic taking on the Sixers with Kareem Burt back in L.A. and he plays center to win a championship as a rookie. There's a guy who said, "Here are my shoulders. They're broad. Put everything on it." And he's continued and he helped in the business world. He's helped in his communities. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. But he didn't like the football game yesterday because I saw him tweet. Honestly, I'm not even watching the last little bit. It's been a bad Super that. Bowl, so I think he was all over the Chiefs. Yeah, well, but you know, I'm sure a lot of people turned it off after they threw, after they uh, the, the second supposed touchdown hit. I think it was Hill in the uh, in the helmet. Like it wasn't a good football game. Let's be honest. The stories were great, but it wasn't a good football game. Storylines galore. I'm happy the weather held out because I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of like football playing in the rain or snow. I like it kind of clean like that. Um, it just wasn't very good at all. It was incredible. High, I mean we'll be talking about it forever because of Brady and because of what Mahomes is going to do, but it just, it really wasn't a good game at all. And it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Thanks tack. Nice to catch up with you. Uh, one last time. Uh, if people want to uh, get some tickets, where can they go? Where's the website? JCC sports Cadillac raffle, 50, 50 draw live and silent auction for the RBC JCC sports dinner, Wednesday night, March 3rd over magic Johnson, James Sabalski. Looking forward to it, man. You take Thank care you, of yourself mate. and, you, uh, talk to you soon all right there he is uh jason tackman from the uh, royal bank jcc sports dinner coming your way in less than a month from now think about it magic johnson a chance to hang out with magic uh a chance to win a caddy i mean living the dream and all for a great cause as well 845 some final thoughts before we turn things over to scotty next right here on your home of the canucks it's game day here on sportsnet 650 is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Ten minutes to nine o'clock. Scott Ritchell show coming your way. It is game day here as the Canucks and the Leafs square off for round number three. Pre-game show two o'clock this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop at four o'clock with Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski. Hey, can we give a quick shout-out to a uh, friend of the show and, uh, boy, longtime member of the Vancouver Canucks organization. Uh, he was Trevor Linden's right-hand man as well when Trevor came back as president. But uh, T.C. Carling uh, being announced today as the uh, new president and CEO of the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. So uh, shout-out to T.C. Had a lot of time for just oh, an absolute prince of a human being and uh, – taking on a new role, actually going back to a role that he took over back uh, about seven years ago. So congrats, TC. Well, uh, and good news. Great guy and probably didn't enjoy yesterday because he's a massive Chiefs fan. Yes, huge Chiefs fan. He's a big, big Chiefs fan, but I was unaware of that. Good for him. Uh, Good human being. Uh, Like that. You know what? As we came in there, can I just say I hope that's the last time I hear blinding lights for a while. Like I enough for the commercial. Thought the weekend was okay. I just want to hear it randomly if I'm in a car and I happen to turn on a radio and it's there. It's a good song. I'm done with it. Like, it's it's overdose. Don't need it anymore. I don't know. Weekend. Nice job. 
I'm still okay. I'm still okay. I didn't feel like it, you know. I mean, it was the song. It was the song of 2020. And yep. I didn't, like. I don't know. There are certain songs you definitely have that feeling like it's overplayed, but I don't mind that. I mean, I feel like I've been listening to that song for 40 years, right? Because it just screams 1980s. Like I feel like it was like a flash dance soundtrack song. Whatever the case. Well, but I thought the weekend everybody was good. did the dance. I'm sure your family did the dance. We did in it. the summertime. Right? Oh yeah. So that hits you. So not only are you hearing it, but then you're on your phone and everybody's on Instagram and they've got the dance going on. I'm just done with it. Like, it's great. Great football year. Nice job. Blinding lights. Let's move ahead and let's see what's in front of us. Yes. As and we go. Yeah, no, I thought the weekend he showed well. Um, and you know what? Uh, if, if, if we get everybody vaccinated and stadiums are open again, I'm sure he will have a very successful uh, stadium tour on the heels of that. You know, yesterday I think was the – it was 30 years to the day that um, it was the Super Bowl between the Bills and the Giants uh, going back. And I think, what was that, Super Bowl 25, I think it was, where Scott Norwood wide right. But, you know, wide maybe right. the most uh, – you know, it's not talked about in terms of halftime performances because it wasn't a halftime performance, but maybe the most incredible musical performance ever in Super Bowl was that Whitney Houston anthem. Remember that? Oh, is that the what backdrop the backdrop of there? the Gulf War? Yeah, and that was the backdrop of the Gulf War, um, Operation Desert Storm at that time. But Whitney, man, you talk about like the gold standard for anthems. Like she nailed it. That was to give people an idea. That anthem actually ended getting radio play. Like it was that good that they played at the odd time. Oh, yeah, that that was amazing. Uh, who was the halftime show though? Halftime show that year. Oh, was that? You know what? That might have been Michael. That Michael that Jackson. Might have been Michael Jackson that year. Yeah, which was, was one of the awesome greatest too. starts ever. Right? He pops out of the Coliseum on top of the scoreboard. You don't see it. It's not him. It's a lookalike, right? But he does the dance moves, and then he comes flying out of the floor. That was a great entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> hey, just closing out on uh, on thought, but uh, Cam and Nimo texting another Dunbar Lumber text line, agreeing with me, saying Holtby. Go back with him in goal. He could get it done. Showed his passion and fire last game. I think it could steamroll the Toronto offense and steal a Canucks game. So there you go. That's just a thought there tonight. See if it happens. See if it happens. I don't mind the thought process, but I would have played Demko. I don't know if we understand what the coach is doing. Hey, just compete. I don't think we're going to be talking about a Canucks win tomorrow morning. Canucks in a song. But just compete, man. Don't lose by three or four. That's enough of that. Get some passion going, right? Uh, we'll hear from uh, Scott Ritual show coming your way in just a matter of moments. Uh, Travis Green and JT Miller expected to meet with the media momentarily as well. Scotty will have all the latest right here. It is game day, pregame show at 2, puck drop at 4, and we're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow morning right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.